The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Fantasy Football Week 5. We got projections. We got fantasy football news, fantasy football advice. As always, you're listening to Sean and David G from Guru Fantasy World. David, how you doing, my man? I'm doing great. It almost sounded like you called yourself John there for a second. I'm like you, you got a little name switch going. On. That's what Sean, ha- Sean, John, Sean. yeah, whatever. It's uh, John's my dad. It, the uh, when you stay up all night compiling statistics the day before your podcast. Two thirty in the morning. Um, up to this is a fantasy football almanac show, by the way. Um, I kind of flubbed the opening there. David is from Guru Fantasy World. I'm from the Fantasy Football Almanac. We combine forces for this show. But, um, oh, and please, everybody, like, comment, subscribe. That stuff always helps, especially if you're picking us up on the podcast or a new podcast. Please, really, like, comment, subscribe. That stuff has a major, major impact. We'd appreciate it. Yeah, man, 2.30 in the morning as we were talking off air. Oh, I am ragged, but that's just the standard thing. You know, I I released the fantasy football fallout videos on Sunday morning, which means I got to record them Sunday night or they don't go out on time. Um, Plus the stats, compiling, I do the play charting. Um, It's just... It's just always a rigmarole for me. But you were up late, too. This is your first week um, compiling and getting ready for the Monday morning show as we record on Monday mornings, Sunday night. And uh, you said it, it was a blessing and a curse. Is that right? Yeah, I was laying in bed from about 11.30 to 12.30 compiling stats, and it turned into 1 o'clock, and then all of a sudden it was one fifteen, <laughs> and I'm just like, you got to go to bed, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get up. So I woke up, and in addition to that, I woke up at like 7 because I had, you know, we have some work going on in the house. So I had to talk to the, some, some you know, contractors and stuff. So it's like, phew, I'm running on fumes. But that's always the case on Monday. I hope to make it up later in the week. But um, so I was going to say, so we make our picks in this show. We, we make some against the spread picks just for fun. Um, David and I, we're not playing in any contests this year, but we keep track. And uh, through the quarter poll, obviously Monday night hasn't happened. we got two games um this evening, um, again, we record this on Monday, uh, but so far, David, you're leading the pack um, with 35 picks correct out of, what are we at, about 62 games, so you're hitting around 55%, which is reasonable. Um, you know, that's what professional gamblers, they they make a living doing that. If you have the balls to risk $100,000 in each game, you'd be making a pretty good size, of, you know, chunk of change there, but the season yeah, I'm sticking is st- to the, the 10 cent bets, but I'm working my way up. <laughs> working my way up. You know, we got the lines from Bovada Sportsbook uh, today, so we'll be going through everything, uh, working your way up, getting into uh, getting into the major bets. No, I'm. Um, yeah, I have a computer pick engine that last year, if we if we entered some of the contests, it would have done quite well. Historically, it's done well. Um, you were beating Rockobot, as I call that computer projection uh, engine, for the picks, and I also use Rockobot for these fantasy football projections as well. Uh, you're beating him. I think uh, you're at 35. Rockobot's at like 32 and a half. Um, the half is a push, by the way. And I'm at 33 again heading into Monday night. So depending on what happens in Green Bay, Atlanta, um, you either take like a, a, a three-point lead or I catch up and it's a one-point lead. Uh, and then Brad and the other podcast is in firmly in last place at this point. But, you know. <laughs> Season is still young. Quarter pole, though, David, you're doing quite well. Um, Rockobot typically just knocks it out of the park between weeks four and 16, so I expect Rockobot to, to whoop our butts. But, you know, it's part of the fun of the thing, right? Um, so, buddy, so we got 15 games. Yes, we're in bye weeks, but we still have 15 games to talk about. So let's jump in, man. Are you good with that? 
Yeah, let's do it. We'll shave about ten minutes off with that one buy. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Maybe exactly. get you guys an episode only an hour and a half long this week. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All that, right, that's so we got why we break it up, right? Yeah, I know. Um, this week, I think I'm gonna do about five games a day on uh, on underdog underdog uh, YouTube.com/slash/theunderdog. Um, give us a follow if you're picking us up on the podcast. But we got Thursday night football: Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus Chicago Bears. Tampa Bay's offense looks like it's doing well. Um, they're they're now operating like a well-oiled machine. We haven't even seen them at full strength yet. Then you got the Chicago Bears made the move to Nick Foles. <clears throat> I watched the Chicago Bears versus Indianapolis Colts game live, and I don't look. I I, I completely support the change to Nick Foles. I still do, but they just Chicago ran into the best defense in the league at this point. The Indianapolis Colts defense is so impressive. For years, we're used to you know Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning. It's the offense. This is a defensive show in in, uh, in Indianapolis, and it just is what it is there, man. Indianapolis is living in the backfield the entire game. But as I do, let me hit you with projections here, and then we will uh, we'll let you take it away, David. So Tampa Bay at this point, um, look, I know Chicago's defense is strong. I know I was just talking about Indianapolis. Chicago played a great defensive game too uh, but I'm starting Tom Brady at this point every week um, it looks like he has the chemistry he's dialed in uh, week two he was kind of laser focused Tampa Bay's receivers let him down uh, weeks three and weeks four he did well so I'd play him Ronald Jones actually looked better I'm moving him back into the kind of uh, a safe start area for me although Fournette really wasn't a factor obviously then we got Godwin I don't know if he's going to be able to lace him up this week or not but if he plays he's a start Mike Evans I like as a start I'm away from everybody else um Except for maybe Gronkowski because we saw O.J. Howard uh, unfortunately blow his Achilles out. So we got more consolidation to targets. By the way, Tampa Bay throws two touchdowns to tight ends last week. None of them were to Gronkowski. Chicago, on the other hand, at this point with Foles, I'm a little bit of a wait and see. What I like is that he's distributing the ball. Again, this is my big beef with Trubisky. Is Trubisky was using his legs, running around, and just hoisting the ball up to Allen Robinson. Nick Foles executes the offense better. I'm not freaking out about last week. Like I said, I did watch the game. Uh, it's just... Indianapolis's defense is that good, everybody. I think Chicago does bounce back offensively this week, but Tampa Bay's defense, I think they bounce back after a tough performance against the Chargers. Foles, I'm a sit. I'm a sit on Montgomery. I'm a start on Allen Robinson, and maybe, maybe I'm a start on um, on Jimmy Graham, but I'm staying away from everybody else until Chicago uh, basically has one or two or three more games just to, to get some juice rolling with Nick Foles and get some chemistry there. Take it away, David. Yeah, I'm going to start with Tampa, and I'm going to start with a disagreement, all right? You said you don't mind Ronald Jones. You're kind of coming back on him. And you're right. He did have a good game, 20 attempts for 111 rushing yards. I don't trust this guy at all, especially once Fournette's back in the lineup. Like, I feel like this was the product of Fournette being out. Fair. And you look at what he did in the receiving game, six receptions for 17 yards. He had at least three or four drops. Just Even this is just from me watching Red Zone. I saw it. And Tom Brady, <laughs> did you guys see the look on Tom Brady's face after the show? <laughs> he was rolling the eyes way back into the, like, he was visually wincing at these drops over Ronald Jones. And at a certain point, they brought Kashawn Vaughn into the game. Who they I, didn't I want. did notice they that, didn't yeah. They had nothing to do with Kashawn Vaughn this year. They brought him into the game. He got a receiving touch. I think he had a couple drops too himself, but he had a receiving touchdown. So, you know, you talk about maybe Kashawn Vaughn starts taking over the third down roll a little bit. Mm. Uh, Leonard Fournette, when he comes back, it's going to cut into Jones' carries. I just don't see where 
the upside is for Jones when you talk about the backfield being fully healthy. So I think this is a time to sell. Let me cut in there real quick. I, 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 th- those are great points, Dave. And I remind everybody that I do watch every game, but I can only watch so many games on a Sunday. So this isn't one that I caught live. Um, so the drops, I did not see the drops. Um, and that's why in, I think in fantasy football, it's so important. That's why I do catch up and watch every game. Great insight, David. I appreciate that because, you know, (laughs) quarterback trust, as we talk about with uh, Gardner Minshew and DJ Chark, those kinds of things, like it's not always the sexy matchups. It's not always, you know, the the players that jump off the screen at you. I mean, that stuff matters. And if Tom Brady doesn't trust Ronald Jones, Tom Brady ain't throwing to Ronald Jones. The one play I did see was um, the one play that Gronk stood out on was that 29-yarder where Gronk pulls down. It's a classic Brady to Gronk, big play, needs something down the field, throw it to double coverage, and Gronk comes down with it. But anyway, go take it away again. Sorry, David. That was Gronk's one catch on the day, by yeah. the way. One for 29. Yeah, right. But you, know, like, you can look at the box score and take away a positive in the receiving game for Jones, looking at six receptions. Right. I look at it the other way. If Brady's targeting the running backs between Jones and Vaughn eight receptions that many times, that's that many more opportunities for Ronald Jones to drop the ball and lose that gig. So based on the number of running back targets coming from Tom Brady, I mean, I, I think Ronald Jones is going to factor himself out of that equation pretty quick. I'm big on eye test. You have swayed me. Like I said, I didn't watch the game yet. I'll catch up on it. But if that's what ended up happening, I completely agree with you. I will say on the other side, Bears, there's not a whole lot to talk about. I'm avoiding all of them. Montgomery, mm. 10 rushes, 27 yards oh, last yeah. week. I mean, you can start him in a cake matchup, I guess. You kind of have to if he's on your team. He's taking over the receiving work with uh, going out three receptions, 30 yards. But one thing that stands out to me that is kind of popping off the screen is Darnell Mooney. Yes. And I don't necessarily want this guy. I mean, I like Mooney. It's it's an offense to avoid, but I think it kind of hammers home the point that we can almost kind of give up on Anthony Miller as being the thing, at least for now. Yeah. Feel free to drop him. <clears throat> you know, don't go out of your way to add him. He's getting out-snapped, out-targeted. Uh, he's not running as many routes as Mooney. Right now, Mooney looks like the number two in Chicago. Yeah, and I will say that I, I agree with that. This is, again, a game I did watch, and Mooney, Mooney just looks better. Um, and he's been kind of a factor in the depth chart here and there. And you never know with first-team, second-team reps, was he a guy that Nick Foles was connecting with while Trubisky was getting starting reps with Allen Robinson and with um, Anthony Miller during training camp and all that stuff? Again, Foles will distribute the ball more. Mooney, to me, is one of these guys, and I think Taylor Gabriel used to do this for the Bears in the last couple of years. He's a guy that if you play daily fantasy football and you're looking for that like $3,500 wide receiver, and I don't know what his budget is this week, he's the guy that could be that for Chicago. So, yeah, that's a nice that's a nice pull on that one as well, I think. So what do we got for the spread on these, these two? Okay, here we go. Bovada has the line at Tampa Bay minus six versus Chicago. I think I'm going to go with Tampa Bay here. Just I don't love Tampa Bay, but Tom Brady did throw five touchdowns without Chris Godwin. And Chicago couldn't cover a six-point spread against Indianapolis, so that's yeah. not saying a whole lot. I, I'm with you, and my computers are with you as well. And again, Rockobot is much better weeks four through 16 once the in-season date is there. 
Um, it's kind of a goofy year. I actually talked, um, you know, with with some of the sports book people this week, David, and I was saying, you know, what's going on with home field advantage? How are you treating this? And they're like, well, we're still trying to figure it out. And it's probably going to take us the whole season to figure it out. You know, sometimes you get a three point advantage. Sometimes you get a one point advantage, depending on crowds and travel and all that stuff. Basically, this is the weirdest year to bet in the NFL. <laughs> so um, it's goofy. But Tampa Bay, to me, you know, they, they did well against a good defense. The Chargers defense isn't bad, everybody. That's what was surprising the most part. It's affected through five touchdowns on the Chargers. Yeah, and, and Ooh, vice versa, Mah- by the way. Mahomes in check. And and Herbert did pretty well against uh, Tampa Bay too in his own right. So yeah, I'm I'm with you, Tampa Bay. Um, I think they cover the spread. I think it just takes a little while for Chicago's offense to gel. People will probably be off them. I'm expecting them to be three and two after Thursday night. Um, and then people will be sleeping on them because they were three and zero. Now they lost two in a row. But once Foles, if the if they're patient, once Foles gets some time in there. Uh, you know, he has games against, like, the Detroit Lions, the Chicago compete there. Like, they can still make the playoffs, everybody. I think they're a pretty reasonable team. And that defense will keep them in games. They just played a better defense this particular or this last week. Next game on the list here, Arizona Cardinals versus New York Jets. This is just what the doctor ordered for the Arizona Cardinals. And if they're for real, they better put this game away early. Let me hit you with projections here. Kyler Murray bounces back. Although, I mean, he had touchdowns, but he had like no yardage. Weird. But anyway, Arizona, um, Kyler Murray, yes, he's a start. Uh, Running back, Drake, is he going to play? Is he banged up? Chase Edmonds, everybody pull him from waivers. You said that last week, I believe, David. You were on him, so do your victory lap. Chase Edmonds. And you as well. You had him projected as the second highest Cardinals uh, score. I did. You're right. I just, I just was. I was a sit um, in Hopkins. Whew. I mean, it was just a tough week. Kudos to Carolina um, for kind of getting getting in Arizona's head early there. But yeah, Chase Edmonds was a sit, but a touchdown candidate. He did get in there. Um, so if you played him daily fantasy, that's good. This week, I do have him outscoring uh, Kenyon Drake, even if Kenyon Drake is healthy enough to play. And actually, I do have Edmonds as a start this week. Uh, this week, I think every week, I don't care about optics or I don't care what happened. I don't even care if he's banged up. But DeAndre Hopkins is a start. I'm away from everybody else. I think I'd mentioned, I don't know if it was on this podcast last week or if it was on another, you know, start sit segment or something, but I said, you know, one of these secondary wide receivers, whether it was Fitzpatrick or, um, not Fitzpatrick, I'm sorry, Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald. Uh, or Kirk was going to get in the end zone. I picked Fitzgerald to get in and end up being Kirk, uh, but I like that he's kind of back. Um, just keep your eye on him. I don't think I'd start him this week, but keep an eye on him. And I stay away from, from Arizona tight end every single week. Uh, New York Jets. <laughs> Sorry, Jets fans. I start Crowder. I have no problem starting Crowder. Um, and I do have a start grade on Herndon, as I say pretty much every week. But I'm telling you, I'm staying away from no. the Jets outside Give of Crowder. Give up on that one, Sean. I'm telling you, I'm t- I'm, that's a computer says. thing. I'm not, I'm not doing it. I gave up on it. I tell Rockobot to to give up on Herndon. I give up on him. But Jamison Crowder, I think, is a safe start. He'll get you catches and he'll get you yardage. Maybe not too many touchdowns, but um, I think he's the only safe jet until Le'Veon Bell, if he comes back healthy this year, which I'm assuming he will in the back half of the season. Um, Those two would be safe, but for now it's only Crowder. Anyway, take it away, David. I'll tell you what the problem is right there. Rockobot does not know how to factor Adam Gase into its equation. (laughs) It, It can't account for the Adam Gase factor. It just... It doesn't show up on the computer screen. I, I will say this. Rockobot is really good with slot receivers. Um, so, like, I, that – that he was really good and dialed in back when uh, Gase was coaching uh, Jarvis Landry back in the day and, and all this. For some reason, Cole Beasley had a nice projection last week. These slot receivers, Rockobot does pretty well in tight ends. Like, short intermediate. I mean, it's really good. But you're right, man. Herndon, pff, woof. 
So on the other side, we'll talk about the Cardinals. I mean, we got to start with Chase Edmonds, right? He's yeah. the one who's everybody's talking talking about because they're talking about Kenyon Drake. I right, should say right. Kenyon Drake's the one everybody's talking about, and it ain't for anything good. Mm. Thing with Kenyon Drake that stands out to me is he has completely given up the receiving role to Chase Edmonds. Mm. Through the first three weeks, Chase Edmonds outproduced Kenyon Drake as a receiver all three weeks. We saw it again in week four. Kenyon Drake didn't have a catch. Chase Edmonds, five receptions, 24 yards, and a touchdown. He is their third down back. And now we see Kenyon Drake struggling. He can't do anything as a rusher. It looks like maybe because it's predictable, maybe because he's hurt from the walking boot and he's still not fully recovered. Who knows? Right. But whatever it is, it's not working on the ground with Kenyon Drake. And that means Chase Edmonds could start to make this a rushing committee while owning the receiving role. So he was my top ad last week. If he's still available, you got to go get Chase Edmonds. Mm-hmm. Especially talk about Kenyon Drake. If he misses time in this offense, the upside is just is league winning potential with, with Chase Edmonds. Let me cut in there. So you you know this, and, and people maybe new to this network don't know, but we do a ton of analysis in offensive systems. And I did all this work last year when um when what's his face there? His name is escaping me. Um, David Johnson. No, no, no. The coach for Arizona. Why can't I think of his name off the top of my head? Guy Kingsbury. Kingsbury, goodness gracious! But anyway, when he was uh, <clears throat> when he was a college coach, I mean, he was a guy that divvied the ball out, n- never really used tight ends too much, and used multiple running backs. So last year, I thought that David Johnson and Chase Edmonds were going to get a split. Edmonds was hurt early in the year. They end up making the move for Drake. Drake goes crazy, but while Edmonds was actually still hampered um, and on the bench, now that both are healthy. I think this is more of a confirmation of what we can expect Arizona to be. I don't think it's all about the injury. I really don't. I think Edmonds' role is safe. Keep in mind, if you're in a dynasty or a keeper and Edmonds is available, um, Drake is only on a transition tag. He's going to be a free agent. They're not going to give him big money based on what he's doing this year. It's most likely that Edmonds is going to at least have this same role next year. If not have a bigger role, you should go grab him, everybody. You really should. Yeah, I think that's a great call. His his value, I don't know what I would give up to him. I feel like uh, a 2021-2 might be a little bit high. Yeah, I agree. But I think if you can maybe get like Edmonds in a third or you can try and work two-thirds for Edmonds, maybe a player in a third for Edmonds, his value, like I said, it's going to continue, especially if Drake leaves and they don't bring in another big time back next year. Yep. Um, We'll talk about the other side. Uh, What was the team? Oh, Jets. (laughs) Is there anything to talk about? <laughs> I, no wonder I forgot who they're. Who are they facing again? What was that nobody team? The Jets. I mean, you you Rough. said it. There's not much to say. Jameson Crowder, and that's it. Yeah, there's there's nothing to like here. Once the only reason I like Bell when he comes back is because he he'll get you catches consistently. Um, and that's why I like Crowder. The Jets are often playing from behind. I will say this in the um, the start sit in the fantasy football segment last week, uh, fantasy football fallout segments on Monday. We said Denver and New York stream those defenses. They did both finish top 10. Um, so this Jets defense does play well because they, they're aggressive uh, defensively. So you can start them sometimes. This is not the week for that, though. I think Arizona uh, coming off that loss, I think they're going to come out. And Arizona, if they blitz, this is the type of system that eats up the blitz. I'm staying away from the Jets' defense this week as well. Uh, let me hit you with the line here. Bavada has Arizona minus seven versus the Jets. Who you got? Arizona. Yeah, I think Arizona. Me? Jets couldn't even cover that spread against the third-string Broncos. I know. You know, Rippin, I, I, that is a game I need to watch. I didn't watch that one um, you know, start to finish. Rippin, I like that. I like young quarterbacks that come in and just throw the ball downfield. 
I like it, man. He I like gave it. his guys chances. There's yeah. No doubt about that. And he doesn't have Cortland Sutton. He's basically got Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick, who we'll talk about, you know, in the in the Denver segment, whenever that is. Um, I, I I I like it. I like it. Look, Drew Locke is obviously the starter there and everything, but I liked him better than what I was seeing from Driscoll. Uh, let's move on to the next game. We got the Buffalo Bills versus the Tennessee Titans, a battle of undefeated because Tennessee effectively had a bye week, a COVID-related bye week. Here's what gives me pause about this game, obviously, is, you know, Tennessee, they're in the midst of a little outbreak right now. Who is going to be healthy? We don't know. Um, like Adam Humphreys, I know, was put on the list, um, the reserve list for exposure. By the way, this exposure list is a joke. The whole team is exposed to it, everybody. They're on a flight, for crying out loud. They're <laughs> with recycled air the whole way. The whole team is on the IR uh, reserve list for COVID. But seriously, though, like we don't know who's going to pop up. So against the spread and stuff, fantasy football, we'll do the best we can. But just, you know, you got to check the inactives report as we get in. But let me hit you with projections. Josh Allen, is there a scenario at this point where you don't start him? Maybe if you got him late, you also have Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. But he's a guy, really, um, that for most people out there, you got to start him every week. I was really impressed with what he did against Vegas. I thought Vegas's off uh, the, their defense would give him some problems um, with what he's been doing so far this season, meaning throw the ball downfield on the sidelines and everything. And Vegas did that, but Josh Allen has progressed so much that he was able to still score well. You know, he hit Cole Beasley for that touchdown. Devin Singletary was a little bit more integrated in the running game, not a great yards per carry. But Buffalo did what I thought they'd do, but they did it a little bit better than I thought they'd do. Um, so I'm very impressed by this team. Devin Singletary, I actually have a, as a huge um, um, fantasy football projection this week. I think he's going to be a lot more integrated against Tennessee. Uh, continue. I think he had 18 carries, if memory serves, with not great yards per carry, but I think he'll get the carries and the yards per carry this week. Um, Diggs, I think you have to start every week. I didn't like the matchup last week, and he still got you over 100 yards. I like it. Uh, John Brown, I think, is a start. And by the way, Cole Beasley, I believe, is a start. And you could even, a Daily Fantasy, I think, start Gabriel this week. He only had one catch, but it was a touchdown. He is a really good um, wide receiver. It's just about whether or not he can get the snaps to be on the field. I stay away from tight end, although the the, the projection there is reasonable as well for Dawson Knox. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, for me, it's all about the weapons. Who will he have thrown the ball? I just want to make sure receivers aren't going to be you know um, out or put on the reserve list or anything like that. Uh, I like... Corey Davis, in terms of projections, a little bit more than A.J. Brown, but let's be honest about this. If A.J.B. is playing, you play him, not Corey Davis. Um, and Derrick Henry, I don't love the projection against Buffalo, man. Uh, I thought they did a really nice job against Josh Jacobs. I think they'll do a nice job against Tennessee. These offensive systems are similar in their commitment to the run. Buffalo passed the test for me last week. Again, very. I was already impressed with them. I already had them as a top five team in the league. Um, and Tennessee, Tennessee, I have as a top, top 10 uh, team in the league as well. But I think Buffalo is pretty good. Anyway, take it away, David. Well, I think we have a little bit of a battle of the narratives going on with Tennessee here because generally, right, you have a team who has a bye week. We expect them to come out of the bye week better. They had more time to prepare. They had two weeks to prepare for one team. And they just teams generally come to tend to come out of the bye hot. Mm. But then you say, well, this is not a normal bye. How yep. much time are they actually spending preparing for the game? How much time are they dealing with these protocols? So. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see whether Tennessee comes out hot or whether they come out flat. You didn't mention A.J. Brown. If he plays, you start him. I'm not so sure about that. I think the first week back, you tend to be a little bit skeptical of players, plugging them into your lineup. And Trey White, man, he is a good corner. He is, yeah. if not the best, one of the best corners in the league. So 
whoever Trey White is lined up, I think I, I'm probably avoiding them. If that means A.J. Brown is out and White's going to be on Davis, I'm avoiding Davis. Yeah, sure. A.J. Brown is playing, I'm probably avoiding Brown and looking towards Davis. So This it, is a game that normally I would say Humphreys would be a nice one, but he's on the list. He's on the reserve list. So you're looking at, who's that, do you remember, who's that um, that wide receiver that uh, Tannehill was hitting deep versus Minnesota two weeks ago? I can't remember his name, but... Khalif Raymond. Yeah, he's he he's might more be somebody of like a special teamer, but he he gets a few offensive snaps, and they tend to take big shots to him. He's a speed guy. Yeah, so maybe daily fantasy. I'm thinking. Yeah, it, we'll see about that in Actus, but yeah, he could be an interesting name, especially if they fall behind and have to play uh, from behind against Buffalo, which is possible. Yep. On the other side, though, we'll talk about Buffalo. You said 18 carries for Singletary. That was what he got. 18 for 55 and a touchdown. He's looking good. He had five receptions as well, and I totally agree. I can't believe I'm saying this. Because I don't think there's another team in the NFL that I believe you should roster four of their wide receivers. Yeah. four. I think four Buffalo Bills wide receivers deserve to be rostered in 12-team leagues and no tight end. Dawson Knox, cross them off, insert Gabriel Davis. Because right now you talk about Diggs and Brown, they're absolutely rosterable and usable, startable. Mm -hmm. Cole Beasley has been underrated. I don't think he's had a game with less than nine PPR fantasy points through four weeks. And then Gabriel Davis, you talk about the big plays, the end zone usage, the touchdowns. Like if we already saw John Brown got dinged up earlier in the week. Mm -hmm. If someone goes down, this is a high octane passing offense that wants to funnel the ball to receivers. And he looks good. Davis just looks good. He looks very good. And he he has capitalized on every opportunity he's been given so far. Mm -hmm. So if you talk about removing any one of Diggs, Brown, or Beasley from the equation— Gabriel Davis becomes a flex option on a weekly basis. So yep. I, I think he needs to be on rosters, even in 12-team leagues. Yeah, and I, I forgot to mention Johnny Smith I do have as a nice projection. It's not only because Darren Waller did well. It's just it's just a, a really nice projection. So Tennessee, they're going to have to move the ball somewhere. I think Johnny probably has his best game of the young season, again, assuming he can play. I'm not sure if he ended up on the, the reserve list or whatever. Let me hit you with the line in this one. Uh, it's kind of a high line. It's an interesting one, and I'm kind of— on the fence about it, but let me hit you with you. Bavada has Buffalo minus eight and a half versus Tennessee. Who do you have in that game? I'm gonna take Tennessee. I, I don't. I don't want to overblow or underblow the COVID mm. uh, concerns, but I think I'm kind of erring on the side of it's not gonna really. I mean, all the players are at home, right? Right. In, in quarantine, so I think they're still preparing. I think they've had an extra week to prepare for this game. I would say maybe so, an extra half week because it, it was yeah, it it, it wasn't really canceled. They did, probably didn't move on until about Thursday or Friday, but yeah, that's fair. But yeah, I'm going to take Tennessee in the points here. Um, you know, I did too. I think all things being equal, I'll take Tennessee in the points here. But I don't know what's going to happen with the facility. Um, because we still see these positive test results trickle in. So if they're preparing for this over Skype or over Zoom or whatever it is, I do tend to be a little bit more concerned because this defense isn't playing well. I think this defense needs practice field time. And Tennessee's defense is good. Don't get me wrong. They're just not playing to their caliber uh, of talent. And playing an offense like Buffalo, and this is an offensive team. We were talking about teams shifting identities like Indianapolis. They're a defense team now. Uh, Buffalo, they're not a defensive team. They are a legit good offense. I think they're third in the league in points per game at this point as of this morning. Um, dude, like, Buffalo, Buffalo's legit. I've said that they're this year's version of Baltimore, and I know you're a Baltimore fan, but Josh Allen, to me, has progressed as a passer 
further than Lamar Jackson did in this offseason. I still like Lamar Jackson's running ability and ability to run the offense. But Josh Allen, I mean, he they could just put up 30 points in a game anytime they want to. And they're the type of team where if they go down by two scores, they can still come back and win. Um, I don't know that they have that maturity as a team to really make the deep, deep playoff run yet. But we're going to see that this season because they're going to have the opportunity I'll take Tennessee, but I, I I reserve the right to change that pick based on what develops this week with the facility and all that stuff, just because it's a weird one. Honestly, I probably remove it from my board entirely. Um, if Tennessee doesn't get practice um, on the field, I don't see how they can. I don't see how this defense stops Buffalo from scoring, and Buffalo's defense did take a step forward against Vegas. So that's kind of where I'm at. It's just like a, I don't know. I guess I'll take Tennessee for now. But I might switch by the end of the week. Uh, let's move it on. We got the Carolina Panthers plus three and a half versus the Atlanta Falcons. We'll get to that um, in a bit. But Carolina, um, finally Bridgewater gets a couple touchdowns, although I think they were like to a tight end or running back, so who cares? Bridgewater, he did score well, though. I do have a nice projection on him, um, against, especially playing against Atlanta, who's given basically up a ton of points. Reminder to everybody, we record these on Monday morning, so we do not know the storylines for Atlanta versus Green Bay yet. They haven't happened. Don't hit us too hard on that. We have to record sometime, right? But um, Teddy Bridgewater, I think, um, does quite well. Uh, this week, I like Mike Davis too. I like him every week, everybody. I mean, look, he's not Christian McCaffrey, but who is? He he gets in the end zone like every week. Stardom. Uh, DJ Moore. You know, he's like where I was last week with Odell Beckham. I probably play him if he's on my roster unless I have somebody really popping, but I don't have a great projection on him. Robbie Anderson at this point looks like the safer play. It's just... You know, uh, he has um, familiarity at Temple with the head coach there and rule. Uh, Robbie Anderson is, to me, a play this week more so than DJ Moore. It's crazy, but that's that's just what the stats are telling me. Uh, Matt Ryan this week, I have him graded uh, projection-wise as a sit, but I start him anyway. Julio, we'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll know a little bit more after tonight. Is he banged up? You know, you know. hopefully he can go. Um, Calvin Ridley, I actually have as a... It's great as a sit, but I'm starting Calvin Ridley in every scenario. Russell Gage, though, I probably take a step back. Uh, Hayden Hurst, I think you can start. Todd Gurley is graded as a start in this game against um, Carolina, but proceed with caution. Take it away, David. Yeah, I don't know how we call Robbie Anderson anything but Carolina's wide receiver one right now. Yeah. I don't know how you could say anything other than that because the four games, it's about equal on targets. He's out-targeting DJ Moore 34 to 32, but what he's doing with them is just producing more he's got 28 receptions to Moore's 18 377 yards to Moore's 288 and one touchdown where Moore hasn't even entered the end zone yet and I think that was a problem with DJ Moore's first two years he's never been a touchdown guy he's been kind of a heavy reception yardage guy and now that Robbie Anderson is eaten into that man it, it is concerning it's very concerning and I'm very happy as a DJ Moore owner that they faced the Atlanta Falcons this week you talk about Teddy Bridgewater finally start to show some life last week. The Falcons right now, number two most points allowed to quarterbacks in fantasy behind Seattle Seahawks. So they're getting lit up by the pass. I think this is going to be a bounce back week for DJ Moore. We're going to see him go over 100 yards and maybe maybe put out some offers for him in a redraft format. Try yeah. and sell high after this week just because there, there are concerns season long with Robbie Anderson there. McCaffrey is probably coming back at some point so i think if you can flip dj Moore after this week and try and maybe package him with someone and get like a top five wide receiver for him you do it 
Yeah, and actually Mike Davis, because of the Christian McCaffrey thing, now if you're going to sell on him, now would probably be the time because he's got about two weeks left, so you could probably get a decent price tag. Just look at your depth and how you know by weeks and everything play out. I don't know when Carolinas is off the off the top of my head. Uh, did you have any? Sorry, I, I maybe I was thinking about other things. Did you have anything on the Atlanta side? Um, not too much, just because we haven't seen them play. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. T- tonight. But I think Atlanta, it's pretty it's pretty clear across the board what yeah. you do. Calvin Ridley's a must start. Mm-hmm. Julio Jones is a must start if he's active. Hayden Hurst, I'm not sure you have better options. We'll be will be interesting to see what he does tonight against Green Bay. He got in the end zone last week, but only one reception. Yeah. So it'd be nice nice to see him get a little more involved. Again, we're gonna get a kinda a Russell Gage check tonight. I believe he's gonna be active. And you're avoiding Todd Gurley. You're avoiding Todd Gurley until otherwise known. Let's see what Brian Hill does tonight. I want to see yeah. if he can turn this into a committee. Yeah, after we talked uh, last week, you know, again, I caught up on the game, um, watched that Atlanta game. I agree. I mean, Brian Hill looks like the better running back at this point. I mean, he jumps out on film, and there's when when you see that, especially at the running back position, it's only a matter of time before they work their way in. Um, you know, I saw it a couple years ago with Chase Edmonds uh, in Arizona. Again, like, you can see these guys. That's why I was so pissed that I didn't get a chance to see James Robinson in preseason. You were on him earlier than I was. If I saw James Robinson, I'd have been like, and I tell all the people as we talk about last week, keep him. Keep him. He's 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 a decade-long starter. Uh, he's just, he's really good. It's not a fluke, everybody. It's just, you can see it in running back. It's pretty obvious. So uh, Brian Hill, I think, yeah, definitely starts to uh, to chew into Gurley's stuff. So I agree with you there. Um, Hayden Hurst, uh, one he, was it one target, one catch last week? We'll see what happens on Monday night. It's a touchdown, though. Is it touchdown? Thank goodness for that. Thank goodness for that. But uh, I mentioned at the top of your uh, Carolina, Bovada has at plus three and a half versus Atlanta. Who do you have in this game? Plus three and a half. I I coin flip. Give me the coin flip. <laughs> I'm not good enough. Actually, I guess I am good enough to make a pick. I'm leading, so I might as well make the pick, all right? Make the pick. I'm going to pick. I don't know. (laughs) Atlanta. (laughs) Atlanta, pending pending injury on Monday Night Football, which we have not seen. um, Meaning we haven't seen it, not because we didn't watch it, because it hasn't been played yet. People that pick this up, you know, it's the YouTube thing. People that pick this up kind of like on Saturday think that we posted it on Saturday morning. And they're like, yeah, you haven't even watched like Monday Night Football yet. It's like, of course we haven't watched it. We haven't, you haven't seen it. So anyway, if you're one of those people, that's why we haven't watched it yet. It's because it hasn't been played yet. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to take Carolina. Rockobot likes Carolina as well. I liked what the defense did, taking a step forward. Atlanta gives up points to everybody. I just feel like Atlanta's going to win the game. I think they break through. But I think I think it's too close of a game. That extra half point over a field goal, I take Carolina. Don't I don't feel great about it at all. Next game on the list, we got the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens in a game that I think is going to be more enjoyable than people think. Um, the Cincinnati, man, they moved the ball. Finally, finally, David, they let Joe Mixon have 25 carries. Not rocket science, people. Just give him the rock. If he's getting two yards per carry in the first quarter, well, maybe he'll get seven in the next quarter. But, you know, Zach Taylor, I think, I've been very critical of him. I, I don't need to go on that tangent. But what I'll say this is, if Joe Mixon doesn't, do things with those first five carries he's he's basically crossed off the list and they don't go back to him it's crazy but when he produces in that you know first and second drive they'll keep feeding him it's completely reaction it they're basically the antithesis of of vegas and tennessee um but the great thing about uh cincinnati is joe burrow joe burrow and those receivers that he has he's so deep uh, you mentioned Buffalo. They're a really deep receiving team cincinnati is as well they have a lot of talent defense is playing a little bit better 
I like Cincinnati. Joe Burrow, I think, is a start. Joe Mixon, gosh, I have him graded as a start. Again, I guess you have to start him, but... No, you don't. No, you don't. Oh, man. He, he, he terrifies me, not because of him, because I really think he's this, the most talented player on a very talented roster offensively, but it's Zach Taylor, man. He drives me nuts with uh, with Joe Mixon, and a lot of people had him on the bench this week because of what he's been doing, and he, of course he goes crazy. Um, Tyler Boyd, I think, is a start. T. Higgins, everybody, we were talking about him last week. He's broken through at this point. I think you pick him up because he's available for about three-quarters of the leagues out there. He's available. Pick him up, and I think he's startable this week, even against a tough Baltimore defense. Tight end, I'm going to stay away. I have reasonable projections on sample, but I'm going to stay away from from basically everybody else there. Baltimore, Lamar Jackson, definite start. Uh, Running backs, I think, is a tough matchup this week for both Ingram and uh, Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, all of them. If you're going to start one, it's Ingram. I know, I know. But Gus Edwards, he's getting carries, man. No, the other name. J.K. Dobbins, yeah, I know. Heartbreaker. (laughs) Heartbreaker. He was my favorite rookie running back. He's not breaking through, man. Um it's only a matter of time, but geez, Gus said the problem is the Ravens have like, you know this because you're a Ravens fan, the Ravens have like four really good running backs. I believe Gus Edwards is a free agent after the season. Pick him up in Dynasty at the end of this year. Pick him up because he's going to land in a new spot and get opportunity. And like, I think he's a career five yards per carry guy. I mean, he's really good. He's just always buried on the depth chart. It's not his fault. And this is a very talented team and he's getting carries. But anyway. Not a factor this week. Marquise Brown, I like that they're taking deep shots. I'd like to see Lamar Jackson hit some of those deep shots. Um, He just needs to get a little bit better with that downfield game. We've been saying that all year. Mark Andrews, I'm not loving his target totals, but at least he's getting into the end zone. Um, so I start Mark Andrews. I think you have to. Baltimore moves the ball to get red zone touches. But, you know, I'd like to see, you know, Mark Andrews at this point getting seven to ten touch- catches a game. I don't like a stat line. Yeah, he gives you two touchdowns, but on three catches, it, you know, it's not what I want to see personally, but again, he's good enough to start. Take it away, David. I'll start with the Ravens just because that's my team. I don't, I'm not concerned about Andrews because that's what he is. Yeah, he is a vertical threat, down the scene touchdown score, and that's what he did last year, and it was just fine. You know, he doesn't need to go crazy receptions and yards. If he gets you eight to ten touchdowns on the year, he's going to be a top five tight end. So I'm not freaking out there. Marquise Brown, it was good to see. I saw a stat. I forget who it was. I wish I could credit them. He led the league in air yardage this past week with 201 air yards. Mm, so cool. he's getting target. He's mm-hmm. It's basically the Andrews and Brown show right now. Duvernay hasn't been factored in. Miles Boykin is just a, a complimentary piece. Willie Sneed is nothing. So it's Andrews and Brown. I think don't freak out about those guys. We had a little bit of a freak out last week against Kansas City. You're, you're good with them going forward. The running backs, you can freak the heck out and then some, all right? Because <laughs> I am. I'll tell you what I am, and I was I was ready. I was ready for them to turn this team over to J.K. Dobbins. Me too. I think every, everybody's ready for it at this point. You say we got three really good backs on the team, maybe four. We got two really good backs on the team. Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins. I hate to break it. Mark Ingram is no longer a very good back. He is a veteran mm-hmm. who's deferred to because he's trustworthy. Mm-hmm. That's it. He's not explosive anymore. He doesn't make explosive plays happen. He, do- he doesn't get you anything more than's really been given to him. He's going to fight hard. Mm-hmm. He's going to break a few tackles, but just the explosion is no longer there. And J.K. Dobbins, it seems like every time he touches the ball and explodes, he gets taken off the field. You so- know, that happened That happened with Nick Chubb's rookie season. Um, with I can't remember the— uh, Carlos Hyde. 
Yeah, no, I'm thinking about the the uh, the the coaching the coach back then. I can't remember the dude's name um, because he's might have been Kitchen. No, nah, it was Kitchens was the offensive coordinator, and and he ended up taking over. And when Kitchens Hugh took Jackson? over, yeah, yeah, Hugh yeah, yes, Hugh Jackson, yeah. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's the same kind of deal. And when we said, and when I wrote the fantasy football almanac, I said, you know, J.K. Dobbins, I think is you know week eight w- would be when he'd be taking the the game over or the team over. But Gus Edwards is throwing his hat in the ring, and he's making the situation a little bit murky, more murky than I gave him credit for. Uh, before the season, I was hoping as well that Dobbins would maybe even be a factor in week one. And he was showing signs of it. It's just taking longer than I would prefer. But yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. Like Chubb, every time he touched the ball, he went for 50 yards and a touchdown in his rookie year. And it took him eight games to break through. Could be the same thing with uh, J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, and and don't drop Dobbins no matter what you do. Don't trade him. You're stuck at this point. Just wait it out because he's got no value on the trade market right now. Yep. On the other side, let's talk about the Bengals. Sit them all. (laughs) Sit them all. And I I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Antonio Gibson played well against this Baltimore defense. He did, and he didn't get shut down. Out of necessity. I mean, what else did Washington have? Exactly. But Washington's offensive line probably better than the Bengals, too. So I'm just worried about Joe Mixon, like, he got the touchdowns. I don't think that's going to happen this week. Baltimore has only allowed one rushing touchdown on the on the season. He's just, they're going to fall behind, so he's not going to have those carries. And we don't know if they're going to feature him in the passing game. They he won't. got it last week. He got it last week, but we don't know that at this point. They they have four, uh, three wide receivers they want to get involved, or maybe two at this point. We talked about it last week. Uh, AJ Green. Why haven't you dropped this guy yet? Yeah. Why why is he still on your roster? You should have made a claim for him to. Drop him for T. Higgins last week. If you didn't do that, drop him this week. I don't care what you drop him for. There's no upside there. Get rid of A.J. Green. Move on. Mm. Just move on. Yeah, look, Cincinnati, I think, is better than Washington. Uh, Washington's defense is a little bit better um, than Cincinnati's, but Cincinnati can actually score points because they have an NFL quarterback. Uh, Look, Mixon, to me, he's just never really integrated. Like, they didn't even use Gio Bernard, um, you know, as a factor. Was he even active yesterday? Honestly, I don't know. Um, Yeah, he had two carries. I don't think he had a single reception, though. Yeah, I mean, Cincinnati, you just, look, this offense just doesn't want to, to to give the ball to running backs. They don't want to. And that's a real thing. That's a schematic choice that, that the coaching staff's making. And I I completely disagree with it. I don't think it's winning football to ignore them. But that's what Cincinnati is going to do. And okay, so we can calibrate our expectations accordingly. Antonio Gibson, you saw what Washington did to Baltimore last week. Jay, uh, like McKissick and Antonio, uh, Antonio Gibson. Yeah. And I was almost said Antonio Brown. I was like, no, 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 that's not right. Antonio, they, they were basically the leading receivers for Washington. Cincinnati will not do that. They won't. Even if that's what's available to them, they will not do it. So um, they'll they'll try to push the ball around to, to different receivers and everything. But let me hit you with the line here. It's a big line again, Baltimore. Uh, Cincinnati plus 13 and a half versus Baltimore. Who you got? 13 and a half? I really do think this is going to be a step back for Joe Burrow, I think. I, I don't think he's going to play well. I don't think Joe Mixon's going to play. I don't think anyone's going to play well on this team. I think the Baltimore defense is getting better on a weekly basis. I'm, I can't bet against my team. You know, I had this line at about a 14, um, you know, when I was kind of looking at it before. And so it, it really kind of hit it right on the head for me. I'm going to take Cincinnati because I believe that their offense is better than Washington's offense. And Baltimore, look, they're going to grind them into the ground. I think Baltimore, it's a safe win for Baltimore. 
but I think it's more of a of a ten point win when all is said and done. I think maybe Cincinnati gets a couple of garbage touchdowns at the end of the game to close that gap. It's a big line. I probably stay away from it this week. I was confident on Baltimore last week. Uh, this week less so, just because I like Joe Burrow and what he's doing. Um, but you know, again, I probably stay away from it entirely. Okay, next game on the list, we got the Denver Broncos versus the New England Patriots. Now, New England uh, is likely to be without Cam Newton. I can't remember when his test came in and, and the news dropped, but I believe it's a 10-day sit, which means Cam Newton will also be out next week. But let's uh, keep... Uh, yeah, you know, we'll see about that. Yeah, let's we'll see about it because it, there's some <laughs> different... It, it's a really kludgy process. Like the, the um, you know, if he has a few negative tests this week, he might be able to get in the lineup. So it's weird, okay? It's just a weird situation. Um, reminder for everybody, we did not watch Monday Night Football because for us, we record on Monday morning, so the Monday Night Football games have not happened. So we do not know the storylines. Denver, we did see the Thursday night game. We know what to expect. Um, let me just hit you with projections here. For Denver, I don't like anybody starting. Pay attention to Tim Patrick because I do think he's viable this season with Cortland Sutton out, Judy taking the wide receiver one targets. Patrick is a pretty reasonable wide receiver to have. I think I don't think last week was a fluke, but New England is not the week to start him. Um, New England, on the other hand, look, if Cam Newton can go, he's a start. I don't know what Stidham is yet. We'll find out tonight in the game, uh, the Monday Night Football game versus Kansas City. He's a New England player, which means he's probably going to play better than we all think. Okay, that's Maybe Daily Fantasy takes some bets, but other than that, I don't know. Um, running backs, I don't love against Denver. Their defense is actually pretty good. Wide receivers, I think in Keel Harry. I'm just putting it on tape. This is the week, um, I should say week five is the week. That uh, that Enkeel Harry gets in the end zone. I don't know if he blows up on Monday Night Football again. We haven't watched it yet, and then I stay away from everybody else in New England. It's just without Cam Newton, I'm a little bit worried. But if Cam Newton's in, you know, I start Cam Newton and, and think that he'll basically just try to be the running back and run over Denver. Take it away, David. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I like the call for Enkeel Harry about next because I think he'll get into the end zone tonight against Kansas City. I, I had him in a lot of my DFS lineups. Mm-hmm which I just got into this year. I'm already becoming addicted. So <laughs> if, if you've got an addictive personality, hold out as long as you can. <laughs> start playing that thing. Is, I, I set like two lineups the first week. I set like 15 last week. Yep, yep. I was just hitting the $1 lineup. Yep, like, oh, I can't, uh, yep there you I go. I got to get a lineup with that guy. I got to get a lineup with that guy. I got to get a lineup with that guy. So be careful, guys. It's addictive. Um, we'll say – for the Patriots, I want to see if Damian Harris, one, is he activated? Yeah, right. Two, what kind of role does he have tonight yes. against Kansas City? Again, uh, we'll see about James White. He could have a big bounce back. Uh, there is that factor, and it's you don't want to put too much into it, but he lo- he lost his father. His mom, yeah. uh, he had this serious, uh, I think she was in serious condition as well. And we've seen it before. Players uh, come out after a, a a death in the family or some sort of personal, you know, loss. And they, they play well, they play motivated. So I think James white, he's probably a great play tonight against the chiefs, especially when they're probably going to be losing almost the whole game. So I think James white is, is probably going to be a good Mm -hmm. play this week and next week against Denver, even if they're winning against Denver, Denver, there's not really a whole lot to talk about. If you got Judy, you're probably using him fan. We'll see if he's even healthy. I know he's got some sort of injury he's dealing with, Ripping that that's what you talk about. He gives his guys a chance and Tim Patrick six for 113 yeah. in a touch this past week and some people want to just chalk it up to the Hamler injury but he has four receptions in three of the first four games. Oh yeah. Four, yeah. four for 29 week 1, 2 for 24 week 2, 4 for 43 in a touchdown week 3 even when Hamler was active and then week 4 obviously six for 113 in a touchdown. He's seen four targets in all four games. 
uh, four, five, five, and seven targets. So he's absolutely usable, especially on a team that's probably going to be losing just about every game. Yep. Let me hit you with the line here. Bavada has Denver plus 11 versus New England. Who do you got? Plus 11? Plus 11. <sighs> I'm, I'm going to take the Patriots just because that defense is coached so well. Yeah. I think you, you throw in a third-string quarterback – against New England Patriots defense. He looked all right against the Jets defense. I'm not so sure it doesn't all come falling apart and just unraveling against the Patriots. Give me the, give me the Patriots here. Yeah, Belichick is really good against, you know, kind of rookie or first-time starting um, quarterbacks uh, as, a, as a defensive coordinator. He, if anything gives him trouble, it's more mobile quarterbacks, and that's not Rippon's game. I like New England here, even if Stidham plays. If Stidham plays, I probably take it off the board entirely. If Cam Newton plays, I think it's honestly a slam dunk. Let's move it on. We got the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Houston Texans. I'll just hit you with the lines here. At this point, I think Minshew, if you're hurting at quarterback, you can start him in, in Superflex. He's a weekly start. I love James Robinson this week. Um, Chark, I loved having him back in the lineup. He's a start for me, definitely. Uh, LaVisca Chenault, everybody, when Chark plays, Chenault is better. I like him. You should probably roster him if he's still available in your league. I don't know if I play him against Houston, but um, you know, just keep an eye out because he's going to get better and better as a player. Houston, on the other hand, I have Deshaun Watson as a start. I have David Johnson as a stronger start this week. I have Will Fuller as a definite start this week. Um, and then you can take your pick, flip your coin daily fantasy-wise between uh, Cooks or Cobb. I'm going to take Cobb. I think he's playing better than Cooks at this point. I wouldn't put him in my fantasy lineup, but I think he'll do okay for you in daily fantasy. Tight end-wise, we saw an injury to Akins. Does that mean consolidation of targets? Monitor that. If Akins is out, I think Fells is a pretty reasonable play. Again, more daily fantasy than fantasy. Um, if they both play, I stay away because there's just there's just too much consolidation of targets there. Um, so anyway, take it away, David. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Talk about the Jaguars. You say you don't know if you start Chark against the Texans. Oh, no, I do. I do. Oh, ab absolutely. I think Chenault, too. I mean, at this point, he's clearly becoming the second yeah. most favorite. It was Keelan Cole early on. But LaVisca Chenault, guys, he's not just their number two receiver who Minshew likes going over the middle, who we've seen in the past. Uh, he's liked guys going over the middle. Uh, D. Westbrook was all right. right last year, too, usable. He's their number two running back, yep. guys. He's getting more carries out of the backfield than Chris Thompson. Mm -hmm. He's on pace for over 100, I think 112 touches right now when you combine receptions and rushes. So I don't care that he's a rookie. I think LaVisca Chenault is already a flex option. On the other side, talking while we're talking wide receivers, Brandon Cooks, man, he he has fallen into yeah. A.J. Green drop territory. Yep. I mean, like, what are you doing with this guy on your roster? One, if he has a good game, are you going to be confident putting him in the lineup the next game? How many good games is this guy going to have to stack in a row before you actually feel confident using him? So if I can add a high upside uh, backup running back or another tight end who I could use as a trade chip, I'd rather take a chance on one of those guys than Brandon Cooks, who is not going to have any trade value. Nobody's trading for wide receiver fours. And he's got no lineup value, so I, I, move on. Just move on, guys. You, there's higher upside out there. Yep, there's nothing I, to gain from being from rostering Brandon Cooks at this point. Completely agree. Um, let me hit you with the line here. Bavada has Jacksonville plus six and a half versus Houston. Plus six and a half. I'll take Jacksonville. I don't think they're a bad team. I think what we saw that against Minshew on that Thursday night, it was a fluke. He didn't have his top receiver. We've seen he's played well in three out of four games. 
it ain't a coincidence the one game he didn't play well was a Thursday night without his top receiver, guys. Like, Minshew's still legit. Don't overreact to that one bad game. I, I can't believe this isn't Jacksonville plus three. I mean, that's a, that's a big line for this one. Houston, I like Houston. I don't think they're awful. I don't think they're, they're bad or anything, but Jacksonville isn't either. I think maybe people are overreacting to Cincinnati beating. I don't think Cincinnati's as bad as people think. Jacksonville, this should be a three-point line. I'll take Jacksonville to cover this. Um, I, I think the case is that Houston is 0-4, and, yeah. and they are eh, hungry and desperate at this point. And I do think they'll win, but what six and a half? I'll take I'll take the points there. I think it's a field goal game, and I actually wrote down twenty eight uh, twenty six when I did my score projection. Uh, Houston wins, Jacksonville covers. That's too big of a line. That's too big of a line. Uh, next game on the list here, fun game, AFC West matchup: Las Vegas Raiders versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, intriguing matchup. Just because I want to see what the Raiders do. I've I've felt all season that the Raiders are the second best team in this division. Um, but I don't think that they're ready yet to compete with the big boys. Uh, you know, I was looking forward to that Buffalo-Las Vegas game to see how they tested each other. And frankly, that game was going about as as, as I was expecting it to. Vegas had two turnovers. They needed a clean stat sheet to cover that spread. They ended up having the turnover and then the big uh, throw downfield to dig. So that basically was the game right there. Um, and the spread, by the way. But let me hit you with some lines here. I do think Derek Carr uh, could be a nice daily fantasy start this week. I probably wouldn't put him in my roster unless it's a super flex. He's a super flex start for me. Jacobs, I start. Um... You know, I don't trust any pass catcher. Of course, Darren Waller I trust, but I don't trust any pass catcher there. We'll see if Ruggs plays, um, but Hunter Renfro is basically the one keeping this going. I think Vegas, even when Ruggs and, and you know, the, all the, their guys come back, Edwards, whoever, I, I think they need to keep throwing the ball to Renfro. He's not the most, like, physically impressive guy, but he's just a football player, man. He makes stuff happen. So I need, for the Raiders, I need them to, to throw the ball more to Renfro. He's just a guy that makes stuff happen on the field. He's a football player, everybody. Uh, Kansas City, you start Mahomes. You start Edwards Alaire, who I love this week. He might be my number one overall running back projection. Um, Tariq Hill, I don't have a great projection on, but I do have a startable projection. You know, Kansas City, for me, uh, whether it's Watkins, Robinson, Hardman, or whoever, um, you know, you just really flip your coin with those guys. You always get a secondary wide receiver that produces. Watkins is getting a pretty decent target amount, so I guess he's my favorite. Keep in mind, we record these on Monday mornings, so we don't know what happened with Kansas City, New England yet, because it hasn't happened yet. And then Kelsey, although I don't have a great start grade on him, I actually think this is a game that he feasts. I think the Raiders, um, the Raiders are, are going to have trouble over the middle against this Kansas City team. I know they've done well so far, but Kansas City is a whole different animal. Um, going to be intriguing. Going to be intriguing. I like Vegas over the top. I like their secondary, which means... I think it's Edwards, Alaire, and Kelsey over the middle. Lots of receptions and touchdowns for them to go around. Take it away, David. Yeah, I think when you talk about the Chiefs, really, the only thing to talk about is daily fantasy. Right. you're starting them everywhere in, in season long. I mean, these this offense is so good. You just start them no matter what. You start them even against Baltimore, even in their worst matchups. You just start your Chiefs. What it comes down to is DFS. And the guy I'm kind of keeping an eye on is Miko Hardman. Yeah. The problem is he's just still losing snaps to yeah. Demarcus Robinson. Drives you nuts, doesn't it? <laughs> it? It how can it not drive you nuts? Like he'll rip off a long what do you have like a fifty yard touchdown? And then the next drive, Demarcus Robinson's out there for three wide receiver sets. So yeah. the thing with Hardman, I like him a lot more in DFS just because it only takes one play for this guy to to make a difference. If he can just start eating into Marcus Robinson snaps, he, his value is going to go through the roof. And I was off Nicole Hardman this year. I, 
for that reason because mm-hmm. he was losing snaps right. to Demarcus Robinson. Watkins was still there, and Harden was going in like the eighth, ninth round in drafts. And yeah, was like way, it, way it, too rich for a wide receiver handcuff. It, 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 it was interesting, right? Because like the fantasy football um, group think the hive mind basically said McCall Hardman was going to overtake Sammy Watkins as the second receiver in Kansas City. That's that's what ended up happening, and it was one of those things that's just like. Why does everybody think that? <laughs> you know, and I, you, I, as I write the book and everything, I start getting questions like, "Well, why don't you have McCall Hardman hired?" It's like, well, it's because they still got like five different receivers that are all good that they throw to. Tariq Hill is the only one that you can count on, and Tariq Hill is a guy that defenses are basically double, triple covering, and he's still getting in the end zone once a week. It's just Kansas City, man. They're so damn good. They're so good. The thing with Hardman now, now though. I was often I wasn't drafting him at that price, but now it's like people started to come around to that. Right. That, okay, he's just a kind of a handcuff, and he's been dropped in a few leagues. Yeah, right. So I think if you can go pick up Michael Hardman before tonight's game, if you got an extra bench spot, he's still floating around out there. He probably only in deeper leagues. He's probably been picked up in most leagues. But see what he does tonight, because if he does something tonight against the Patriots, yeah. I mean, he's going to be one of if not the hottest wide receiver claim next week so go ahead and stash him see what he does if not you can just release him yeah. other side oh so, god you, you got something to say no i was gonna move it to the line but if you got somebody else uh, something else i was go just for gonna it. say raiders i mean i think everybody's gonna be looking for that renfro game he's gonna be a hot dfs target yeah in right game script losing against the chiefs we'll see about josh jacobs i think some people might be off him but i think this is going to be one of those games where they really probably try and control the ball, keep it out of Kansas City's hands. Josh Jacobs could be in for like a, a monster, monster workload this this next week. Yeah, he could have the uh, the twenty the the classic uh, thirty carries for a hundred yards and two touchdowns game. <laughs> you know, where his yards per carry sucks because Kansas City keeps eight in the box the whole game, but they just try to try to chew clock. Right I really clock, do. Yeah. I love I love watching Vegas um, play football because it's just the I just like the tough and they're really coached uh, coached well. Um, I love the scheme. The problem is you know, Raiders fans know this man. Their injuries are just crazy for the second year in a row. And what's going to happen, in my opinion, and I did a reaction video to this Vegas Buffalo game last night. What's going to happen, in my opinion, is Kansas City is going to win this game. The Raiders are going to drop to two and three, and everybody's going to write the Raiders off um, this season. They're a good team. They're a good team. They're a well-coached team. I still think they're a playoff team, and I don't care what happens. And I don't care if they lose fifty to six. I don't care. <laughs> like the Raiders. Look, it's Kansas. It's Kansas City's Kansas City. The Raiders are banged up. I just don't think they have the assets to to keep this game close. Speaking of, let me hit you with the line on this: the Vegas Raiders plus six and a half versus the Kansas City Chiefs. What do you got? I'm going to take Chiefs. I I think six and a half is just not quite enough. If it was eight and a half. I'd probably take the Raiders, but six and a half. I think the Chiefs can win this game by a touchdown. Look, yeah, I I think this I think this line should be nine and a half. Personally, it's the Raiders are just too banged up, dude. They got they're missing their top two offensive linemen. They're missing their top three receivers at this point. They're um, Josh Jacobs. He's always a little banged up, but he'll you know he'll play. He'll tough it out. Look, I, I like the Raiders. Like, I'm not hating the Raiders. I like them quite a bit. Like I said, I think they're a playoff team. But this is they're a banged up team playing at this point. Again, we haven't seen Monday Night Football because it hasn't been played yet. The best offense of our generation at this point, or of this generation anyway. Look, I, Vegas right now can't compete with Kansas City. Maybe later in the year when they're healthy, they can. Six and a half. I take Kansas City. It's one of my favorite picks of the week, really. Uh, let's move it to the next um, the next game here. We have the Los Angeles Rams versus the Washington Football Team. 
Um, the Rams didn't play. They didn't impress me against the Giants. They came out flat, but they won the game. Um, when a team comes out flat and wins a game, that's a really good sign. Um, I know fans are probably frustrated. Like, why didn't they beat the crap out of the Giants? I'm frustrated because I had the Rams in a lot of parlays. <laughs> so they, they screwed me this week betting-wise. But that's a fluke, man. This offense is better than what we saw. And the Giants' defense is a little better than you thought. you got to give them some credit as well. Let me hit you with projections. I think Goff bounces back. He's a start this week. I'm staying away from both running backs. Malcolm Brown makes an appearance, makes a makes a present, actually out-carries uh, Daryl Henderson this week. I'm staying away from both. Cooper Cup is a start. I'm a little worried about Robert Woods. Tyler Higby, I think, bounces back. But he's, he's given us the Jekyll and Hyde. He's given us the evil. Tyler Higby, the one David and I were uh, worried about before the season. Two big weeks to start the year, two bad weeks. Which one's the real Tyler Higby? Um, freaking A, I don't know. Maybe this is Tyler Higby. Good and bad, good and bad. Um, on the other side, Washington. I hate Dwayne Haskins as a quarterback every week. I think he's he's among the worst quarterbacks in the league um, with respect to, Brett, to, to Rippon over there in Denver. <laughs> I believe nephew of, of ex-Washington great. Mark Rippon, uh, but uh, Mark Rippon, I, Washington was my team growing up, man. That Super Bowl was awesome. I loved it. But anyway, a little shout out to the Rippons. Uh, Antonio Gibson, I think, is a start every week. You know, Washington has trouble moving the ball. What do they do? They, they throw the ball to the running back. And Gibson's pretty good. If they had a better quarterback, Gibson would be like a, a definite, like, we're talking like top 12 running back. Once oh, he's pretty good. He's pretty good, all right. Yeah, so I like him quite a bit. You got to start him, McLaurin. You can start him. Um, you know, I was impressed that he got as many yarded yards as he did against Baltimore. Uh, but, you know, Washington, because they can't move the ball, not only is there a target, um, basically consolidation over to McLaurin, but they're behind a lot, so they have to throw the ball. You could, in Daily Fantasy, if you're looking for a cheap guy, I like Inman this week um, to do pretty well. And then on the Washington side, I don't like Logan Thomas's projection this week. Dave and I both like Logan Thomas, but I don't like his projection. Um, again, it's the Haskins factor. If they had better quarterback play, you know, they'd be. It, to me, it's like, are they going to move to their backup? At some point, because I think their backup quarterback would be winning some of these games. Are they going to move there? Or are they going to be patient and go through the ups and downs or mostly the downs with Dwayne Haskins? I, I don't know, man. I'm not seeing anything I like in the offense um, from quarterback specifically. Anyway, take it away, David. Let's, let's start where, where you left off with Washington. Antonio Gibson yep. has arrived. Like If he can do it against Baltimore, guys, yep. you, you don't you don't bench him at, nope. at all. Like He is plug and play going forward. And what finally happened is what we've all been waiting for it to happen is for them to finally get him involved as a receiver. Yeah. This guy, the main knock against him was that he was a receiver. Like, because <laughs> nobody wanted to buy it. The people who weren't buying in on this guy, oh, he's a receiver turned running back. Like, and they weren't using him as a receiver the first three weeks. He yeah. just wasn't getting those targets. They weren't being creative with him. Or for 80, he was their second leading receiver yardage-wise this past week. And third for receptions. McKissick had seven receptions for 40 yards. Yep. But that also is kind of another positive that look how many running back targets they're producing. If if Gibson starts pushing McKissick off the field even more, he's becoming like a top eight, top 10 running back, like just on a weekly upside basis. He's not quite there yet production wise, but in terms of who would you start over this guy? I don't know if there's 10 running backs I would start over this guy in, in a given week going forward. Now that he's got the receiving role, he, he's a freak, guys. Like I yeah. was all over Antonio Gibson, and I'm even more on him now. Yeah, and you know, um, he's doing all this without getting touchdowns um, most weeks, most weeks. This he's off- got three rushing touchdowns, I believe. Does he really? I know he's got at least two, um, but 
he's he's getting the goal line work now. He's getting the receiving work. If you can t- go out and trade this guy, maybe t- James Conner for Antonio Gibson, I d- yeah. abso- absolutely do it. Maybe James Conner plus. I, I've been trying to – I got luckily got off the James Conner train in the one league I had. I don't mind James Conner. We, we, we debated this last week. I don't mind James Conner, but I actually like that move. If you can tra- trade Conner for Gibson, I'm bullish on Gibson. Um, and like you said, McKissick gets a lot of targets. At some point, those will move more to Gibson as he flashes more. And there's a there's – a, you know, I don't know, David, if you, if you invest, if you, you know, buy stocks and everything, but one of the, the disciplines is you follow the CEO to different companies. If a CEO goes to a different company and they, they had a successful track record and the company's stock sucks, buy that stock because the CEO is going to write the ship. Follow the coordinator. Follow the play caller in fantasy football. This is the system that sprung Christian McCaffrey. It's not rocket science, everybody. Antonio Gibson is going to get better, and as he gets better, his points are going to increase. And I'm telling you, if Washington even makes a tr- uh, the move to Allen at quarterback or whoever it is, or maybe gets a new one next year, Gibson's point total seriously could like double. I mean, there's there's that kind of potential for this guy. So I, I agree with you. Give me a little pushback too, because and mm-hmm. I'll give myself some pushback on this here too, because I thought this could be a week where Dwayne Haskins did get benched, and watching the game, he didn't pop out at any point. No, he didn't throw a single touchdown. But just looking at the stat sheet, yeah. 32 of 45 for 314 yards, no interceptions, no fumbles. He took care of the football. That's That's been the main problem. Fair point. Haskins, taking care of the football. If he can start cleaning it up a little bit, he's got the arm talent to, to break through. I mean, he's just got to get his mental right and make the correct decisions, which he did this past week. If he can take another step forward, this offense is only going to get better. That's 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 fair. That's a fair devil's advocate. I'm betting against it, but hey, you know he he's young it could yet. Go he, both ways. It could go both ways. It could I would go not both be ways. Shocked if he gets benched next week. What about the Rams? Oh, what about the Rams? I don't I don't even want to talk about the Rams. Is like my Dobbins like shot to the heart. I got the same thing with Henderson going on. We yeah, talked about him last week. I made the Devontae Freeman comparison. That doesn't look so hot right now. What is going on with Sean McVay? Like, what What did Daryl Henderson do wrong to deserve being out-carried by Malcolm Brown 9-8? to eight? What did he do? Like, I don't get it. I don't get why you would turn away from why you would not manufacture touches for this guy. I, I agree completely with you. And this is... Uh, this is what I was concerned with with Cam Akers, right? Because let's not forget about him. He's been injured. <clears throat> this is what I've been concerned about because the press, and we didn't see, have a training camp. The press comes out. McVay's like, oh, you know, I like how San Francisco does it. They ride the hot hand, blah, blah, blah. The hot hand theory in football is complete BS. It's complete BS. If you have a running back with superior vision, you can see that in training camp. I'm sorry, Daryl Henderson, you can you can see it. He's better. He's better than Cam Akers. And Cam Akers will have value. I'm not even going to argue that point today. But he's better than Malcolm Brown, everybody. If you want to give Malcolm Brown the short yardage role and make him the goal line running back, I don't have any beef with I don't like it, but I don't, I'm, not going to, I'm not going to argue about that. But if you're talking about game carries week to week, I can tell you what he did is he thought Malcolm Brown looked a little bit better in that moment, and I completely disagree with the approach. If he's better, if Daryl Henderson is better, there are factors in this. We saw this with the Rams last year. If the offensive line isn't playing well enough to open holes, 
So you take Daryl Henderson out, and then the one hole they open up in like 20 snaps is when Malcolm Brown's in. Then you're going to reward him with more carries? This it's There's so many circumstances. It drives me crazy because there's like a handful of coaches that do this. Henderson is the best back for the Rams. And Rams fans, if you're watching this, please comment below. Let me see what you're seeing. Do you agree with me and David? Because I'm when I see the games and I do watch all the games, Henderson jumps out. Akers, to me, looks like he's going to be more of a slider-bodied um, receiving back to me in the NFL. He could definitely get better. Malcolm Brown looks like he can probably run with a little bit more power consistently. It should be at least Daryl Henderson in between the 20s. At least that. But we don't get that consistently. Driving me crazy. I'm not sure Sean McVay even has got to play. I think he wakes up on Sunday morning and says, eh, let's just see what happens today. With running back, I agree with you, man. (laughs) With running back, I agree. And maybe with with tight end, too. You see Gerald Everett gets a rushing touchdown (laughs) in that game. It's it's clear, though, guys. Like, if you didn't believe it before, I hate to break it to you. Gerald Everett is limits Tyler Higby's upside. Yeah. Tyler Higby's barely startable as long as Gerald Everett is. Do you have the – I know you, you usually pull these up. Do you have the snap share count readily accessible? I don't know what's going on with Everett and Higby, but I know this is what we talked about for weeks before the season, why we were fading Higby and why we looked like complete morons the first two weeks. But the last two weeks are a little bit of a confirmation of what we were saying is Gerald Everett – like McVay likes Gerald Everett. And McVeigh likes Malcolm Brown, and he likes Daryl Henderson, and he likes this, and he likes that. The only people I think you can really count on consistently in the Rams to, to produce with McVeigh are Jared Goff when the running game is going, because Goff just plays better when the running game is going, as do all quarterbacks, and Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, with specifically, I've always been higher on Cup than Woods, just because he gets, it's that it's that chemistry. I think Goff likes throwing to Cooper Cup a little bit more in tough situations, and Cup got the touchdown this past week. Yeah, I mean, the snap share is a little bit uh, cloudy just because Gerald Everett did miss that Mm. uh, one game he got injured. But through four weeks, we got Higby at 82.5% of the snaps, Everett at 38.9% of the snaps. So Higby is on the field like almost the whole game. Mm. But the problem is Gerald Everett's also on the field about 50% of the game. And that means when he is on the field – He's taken away some of those routes. He's taken away yeah. some of those targets. He's taken away some of those schemed play calls. Yeah, that to me leads me to believe be patient with Higby. And I would err more on the side of me being, and I guess us being wrong before the season with that. You know, t- defenses react. Higby was going crazy. Maybe they're, you know, we saw it with Buffalo. Um, um, or but so- let me cut. Can I cut in? Please. Because last year, you you saying be patient. It was kind of the same thing with Higby last year yeah. before I ever got hurt. He was playing about 70%. Was he? Okay. He just wasn't producing because he wasn't getting the routes run. He wasn't getting the schemed play calls. And he was being used as a blocker. You know what's funny is, you know, we're we're, it, we're pulling our hair out over this. And we're going to talk about New Orleans um, because they have the Monday Nighter. But... New Orleans, you know, Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara, right? Uh, New Orleans, you got Josh Hill, you got Jared Cook, you got Taysom Hill. We don't pull our heads out over New Orleans, and we know Sean McVay like, looks to other offenses, and we know he likes Sean Payton and what he does there. Are we just getting the same thing, and are we just mad because we're <laughs> you know, we're not getting what we want to see? Maybe that's maybe that's some of it. But then again, you know— I would say no because Alvin Kamara yeah. hasn't disappointed me once. And You're right. If you were starting Latavius Murray, you were just— I don't want to say, uh, we'll say crazy. <laughs> you were crazy. <laughs> yeah. Let me hit you with the line in this one. So we have the uh, the Los Angeles Rams, according to Bavada, minus nine and a half versus Washington. Who do you got? 
minus nine. That's another big spread. I think which Rams offense is going to show up? Yeah. Like, uh, who knows? I, I guess I'm going to say the one that showed up last week. So I'll take Washington and the points. They looked good against Baltimore, uh, who's a really good, in my opinion, best team in the NFL. And the Rams played like crap against the Giants, who are just terrible. Uh, just terrible. So I'll take Washington in the points. You know, and that's what I wrote down. Computers like the Rams on this one. Um, and I kind of feel like we're both overreacting to, uh, and I'm doing it too, overreacting what we saw last week. Washington played a little bit better against Baltimore than we expected. And the Rams laid an egg. They still won the game, but they laid an egg versus the Giants. I think Washington's defense is better than the Giants. I think Washington's offense is better than the Giants. Um, the Rams are certainly better than what we saw last week, but nine and a half is a huge line. I see this more as a touchdown game, um, maybe an eight-point game, maybe even a nine-point game, but nine and a half is it's a little bit too much for me. Uh, so I'm going to take Washington computers like the Rams, so we'll just move it on from there. Uh, next game on the list, we got the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Pittsburgh Steelers battle of the state of Pennsylvania. I'll hit you with the the projections real quick Carson Wentz I'm just sorry guys I'm just sitting them um, at this point I know we're pretty close to getting Alshon Jeffrey and, and Deshaun Jackson both back on the field which will help uh, Richard Rodgers has basically taken over Dallas Goddard nothing very inspiring there Zach Ertz uh, San Francisco was ready for the tight end there uh, Zach Ertz did nothing on Sunday Night Football but San Francisco won the game Miles Sanders scares me in this matchup um I don't love him this week. Boston Scott scares me now every week. He's just doing crap. Uh, he's he's just not playing well as a fantasy football running back. Pittsburgh, on the other hand, they have effectively had a bye week, so they had an extra few days to prepare for this game. Uh, Roethlisberger, I do have as a start, but he's kind of a bottom grade start. Um, James Conner, I'm starting. Juju Smith-Schuster, I'm starting. If Deontay Johnson plays, he's kind of a, a yes or no coin flip type start for me. I'm personally going to sit him because I have better options, and I'm sure you do as well. And then tight end, I have a nice projection on Eric Ebron, who actually don't trust Pittsburgh tight end. Um, so I would usually sit, but the computer projections are pretty pretty nice on uh, on Eric Ebron. I think last night's performance by George Kittle has a little something to skew those numbers towards the tight end matchup. Uh, but anyway, take it away, David. Man, I, I would love to say try to sell high on your Eagles at some point. I'm just going to say condolences, guys, because I don't think you're going to ever have a chance. Miles Sanders, at this point, you, you invested a late first, early second into him. He's just not yeah. been getting won the workload or the production. I faded him. He's oh. one of the guys I get a lot of questions on. I faded him. I, I it, It's the system. I don't like the way Doug Peterson uses running backs, so I typically fade um, Philadelphia running backs. I think Miles Sanders is a very good player, but he just doesn't pop out in fantasy football because of the system. I was I was actually on the opposite. I was okay. all over Miles Sanders just because I didn't see a committee. And it hasn't been a committee. It, that really hasn't been the issue. You're right. That, that they've been giving too many carries to Boston Scott or Clement. It's just been that they've been a bad offense and that their line has been horrible. And I was all over Miles Sanders because I love three down upside and I, I thought he was going to be a great PPR option with a great floor, high upside. Luckily, with that ankle injury, he, or I forget what it was, he had an injury or hamstring, something he had some right before the season started. I ended up, because I avoid injuries in the first two rounds, I don't have a single share of him, thank goodness. Mm. Zach Ertz, I mean, it, this game is almost proof to me that he's better off with Dallas Goddard. And I think Dallas Goddard is better off with Zach Ertz. We think 
we got it kind of wrapped up in our minds. If one of these guys goes down, the other one shoots up. You're right. This offense is so bad at the wide receiver position, minus the stud Tra- Travis Fulgham. <laughs> I mean, they're so bad at wide receiver that if there's only one tight end healthy, they're getting double, quadruple, yeah, I know. quintuplet coverage out there because this offense just has nobody else to throw the ball to. So I think Ertz, you're, you're stuck with him. You just got to hope Goddard comes back at this point. Goddard, I mean, you're stuck with him. You're stuck with all of the Eagles. Condolences. I'm sorry. When the receivers come back, I do think all of the offensive players will be better. I mean, gosh, man. I, I, I really do. I really do. I but don't. All Sean Jeffrey, Deshaun. Deshaun Jackson was healthy the first few weeks. He didn't do it. Did right. he help he this offense anything. then? No, he didn't. He didn't. this offense then. All Sean Jeffrey was the last time he's helped this offense for, for two weeks of the year, the past four years. Yeah. He, I mean, I'm out on all the Eagles. You can't trade them. You're stuck with them. I'm sorry. Condolences. Yep. Uh, let me hit you with the line here. We got uh, – oh, wait. You got anything on Pittsburgh? He's still selling James Conner, I know. <laughs> I am. I think this is your – we got an extra week to sell him, so that bye week might have <laughs> been a blessing yeah. in disguise because if you played this past week against Tennessee and got hurt – your window got slammed shut. So Philadelphia does I mean, well against the run. I mean, they're like the one team in the last year to shut down San Francisco's run. Um, yeah, this could be a tough week, but I still I still like him, especially, you know, get some receptions and stuff. Pittsburgh will open some stuff up, but it's not my favorite projection. Especially they have a real buy because they they weren't really affected by the coronavirus, right? right. The only reason that game was canceled is because of Tennessee. the Titans. Yeah. So they're not dealing with these protocols or whatever. They're just focusing on the game. They've had extra time to prepare. Yep. I think they come out and slaughter the Eagles. Whatever the spread is, give me give me the Steelers. You don't even have to tell me beforehand. I'm taking the Steelers. Well, for the audience's benefit, then, I'll tell you, Bovada has Philadelphia plus seven versus Pittsburgh. Oh, easy. Easy. <laughs> give me the Steelers. Uh, I have Pittsburgh as well. I, I, I've And it's not because of the Eagles so much. It's just that I'm a big believer in the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think they make a deep playoff run this year. I like the team. They're getting better. Um, they're good. They're going to get better defensively, and they're going to get better offensively, and they're undefeated at this point. So, um, yeah, I like Pittsburgh. They're just in a better spot than Philadelphia is, and they're healthier. That that makes a big deal. Uh, next game on the list, we got the Miami Dolphins versus the San Francisco 49ers. Both teams coming off of losses. Uh, look, San Francisco, we know about the injuries, but they will get healthier. Nick Mullins was awful, by the way, but I'll hit you with projections here. Uh, Fitzpatrick, um, I have as a start. Hey, guys, everybody out there, I know we don't like Ryan Fitzpatrick, and we think he's just a goofy guy with a beard that wears ugly shirts, but he's been a top 10 fantasy football quarterback three out of the first four weeks, guys. I mean, it's just you got to start him, especially if you're in a super flex. He's available on everybody's waiver wire at this point. Uh, running back, I don't have great project. Look at San Francisco's defense. I like Miles Gaskin, but this is not the week for him. Uh, wide receiver, uh, Devontae Parker, I think you can start him, but I'm staying away from every other pass catcher uh, just because San Francisco's defense is good. For San Francisco, look, if Garoppolo, if there's any possibility that he can play, he will be on the field. San Francisco quarterback, you can start him. Mullins had a lot of opportunities, dude. He just played like dog crap. He was awful. Um, both running backs, I don't care who's playing. If it's Mostert, if it's McKinnon, if it's Wilson, I'm starting him. I know Wilson laid an egg. Give some credit to Philadelphia's tough run defense. They're always strong against the run. I loved seeing Debo Samuel back. I loved seeing Ayuk basically hurdle that guy on Sunday Night Football. But I don't love the matchup this week against Miami. I think this is more of a running attack, screen pass type game for San Francisco. But George Kittle's always a start. Take it away, David. I'm going to start with Miami, and I'm going to disagree with you on Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is my boy, who if you guys don't know, I once caught a pass from the man, the myth, the legend, Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Fitzmagic. When he was, 
when he was at Harvard, beardless, just a little baby face, you know. I was probably 12 years old. My team got someone, one of the coaches knew one of the Harvard coaches. We got tickets, got to go in the locker room, meet the players. I was the team's wide receiver. Fitzpatrick's like, who's the wide receiver on this team? Like, me, me, me. (laughs) He says, go deep, go deep. Throws me a little football. I caught it. You know, that was probably the highlight of my life. It's been all all downhill. It's a sad sad highlight. (laughs) So, you know, I've got personal ties to Fitzpatrick. You're not starting him. Guys, the end is coming. I can't speak for inside the Dolphins organization. I don't know what's going on with Tua. I don't know where he is at health-wise. But all I can tell you is, as a fan, looking at the Miami Dolphins team, it's time. The time is coming, guys. It is coming. Patrick, 29-45, 315 yards, no touchdowns, two picks. They have a somewhat solid offense. Miles Gaskin's playing well. Devontae Parker is legit. He's a wide receiver one. Preston Williams, not my guy, but he's not bad. Isaiah no. Ford is stepping up and making mm-hmm. plays. Mike Gusecki is, is not terrible. Tua time is coming, and I think especially in Superflex two-quarterback leagues, if you're struggling at your QB two spot, go stash Tua at the end of your bench because you're probably not going to find a, a legitimate QB two solution via waivers at this point. You're going to have to trade. If you want to be able to find a solution without trading for one, Two, two is probably your last last resort. Yeah, so I'm not starting Fitzpatrick in any week because I expect the two a change to be coming sooner than later. I do believe it's coming. I look every. I don't disagree with any of your points. I think when Fitzpatrick is in there, who will continue to produce? When Tua, when they do make the move, and I for for Tua's sake, I really hope they just give him the year. I really do because Miami, look, it's to Miami's organization's benefit for them to lose games. What are they going to try to do? Finish seven and nine and then get the twentieth pick in the draft? What this the heck is the does NFL, that do? though. This I know, I know, but Miami Flores is not out here trying to lose games. I know, I, I agree with you, but I'm saying like it. it, it I think that for the long-term development, just give two of the season to get used to to used to everything. I don't like what, um, you know, I don't like what this this odd year and the lack of uh, preparation did to Joe Burrow. But Joe Burrow has responded well. These young quarterbacks are always more fit to play. And as good as Fitzpatrick has been fantasy wise, Tua is going to be at least twenty five percent better even in his rookie year. He's going to be incredible um, when it takes place. I like the Miami quarterback. But you're right. Every every single game, you're risking at halftime him being uh, Fitzpatrick being pulled and Tua going in there. So this is the time to to trade for him in fantasy football. This is the time to stash him if he's on waivers. This is the time if you like trading cards to buy the Tua rookie card because once he gets in there and gets in action, you're not getting that back. Um, so make your investment now. Let me hit you with the line here, David. Oh, uh, we got to talk. Yeah, let me talk about the Niners. Oh, my bad. I thought we did. My bad. Go for it. Yes. Oh, I got a few things to say about this team because we were. Just hitting on the two note and talking about QB stashes. He's Garoppolo's not going to be available in super flex right. two QB leagues. But I think right now, while he's out, mm-hmm. he's got really, 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 really high upside in this offense. Talk about last year; they were number two in rushing attempts. He was still a four thousand yard quarterback through for I believe twenty eight touchdowns, something like that. Yep. So you talk about they're getting Kittle back, Debo Samuel's back. You talk about Ayuk, who's looking fantastic. Mm-hmm. They they had. With Samuel, game. with Debo back, man, Ayuk is going to even even better. Yeah, Brad McKinnon out of the backfield. Who, by the way, let's talk about Jarek McKinnon. He has clearly, clearly taken control of that number two role behind Raheem Moster. And I know Tevin Coleman was out of the game. If you follow me at all, I'll mm. say it once I've said it a thousand times. Tevin Coleman sucks. He's not <laughs> good. Look at his yards after contact per attempt the past two years: one point eight, one point four. 
It sucks. He's not good. Jarek McKinnon adds a receiving element. He diversifies the offense. And look at the snap count this past week. 67 snaps for Jarek McKinnon. Six for Jeff Wilson Jr. Six for Jeff Wilson Jr., guys. Jarek McKinnon is now the guy in that backfield when Raheem Mostert is out. When Raheem Mostert comes back, he's probably going to be the number two. He's going to retain a role. He's looked so good, both as a runner and a receiver. So, I mean, Jarek McKinnon, I've been hyping him all on. Go trade for him if you can. He's still probably going to be acquirable with Raheem Mostert coming back. He's going to give you RB two weeks. Yeah, he'll have season-long value. Don't worry about that at all. And one more thing that I got to talk about. I talked about Ayuk, who I love the fact they're giving him carries. That's the LaVisca Chenault effect, guys. He's not just a receiver. He he had two for 18 receiving, a 38-yard rushing touchdown. This is the second game in a row with a rushing touchdown. That is important. My jaw... My jaw very rarely jo- drops. When I saw him hurdle that guy, he jumped 10 feet in the air, man. He could have jumped over the goalposts. It was crazy. He's Yak beast. And if, if you think this is just a fluke, it ain't. He had a 40-inch vertical. He averaged over 10 yards after the catch. After the catch his, his last year mm. in college. 10 yards after the catch per reception. And George Kittle, guys, this is why you get a top tight end. <laughs> all the running back injuries. Did you need to get Joe Mixon in, in mid-round two, at the end of round two? Did you need to buy, I mean, Nick Chubb? Look at the injuries. Running backs become available. Look how they many do, have already yeah. become available as the season goes. Miles Gaskin, Jarek McKinnon, this guy, that guy, that guy, James Robinson. You can find him. You can pass on running back in round two and add three to four running backs through the rest of the draft and end up finding an RB2. You'll find one. Look at tight end. What has became available as the season's yeah. gone on? They don't get hit by injuries like running backs do. They don't. You don't have these end of you know uh, the draft bloomers. Who has broken out as a late round late round tight end target? You're right. Jonu Smith, maybe that's it. 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 You don't get these guys as the season progresses. You're not going to find any tight ends on waivers as the season progresses. You'll find your running backs, guys. You, you'll find quarterback, wide plenty, receiver, yeah. Plenty of wide receivers out there. Get George Kittle or Travis or Travis Kelsey in round two every year. Next year, the year after that, just get a top tight end, guys. It makes so much of a difference for your team to be able to get elite point production from that tight end slot compared to your opponents when you're going to be able to figure out the running back RB2 anyways. Yep. Yep, agreed. Let me hit you with the line here now. We got Miami plus eight and a half versus San Francisco. Who do you got? I just have to apologize for that rant a little bit. I mean, <laughs> I am a top tight end truther. I could go on all day. Guys, so I'm sorry if we spent too much time on that. Give me the Niners here. I think they're starting to heat up. I agree. And, and I mean, frankly, San Francisco should have won that game going away. Mullins was garbage. He was dog crap. Um, missing wide open receivers with room to run all game Especially long. Especially if Beathard plays next week. He, he completed, what, 14 of 19 passes when he came in? Yeah, in about two minutes of play. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it, it, Mullins, Mullins lost that game. It was really bad. San Francisco bounces back. They're a good, they're a good team. I like Miami, but San Francisco's too good. Uh, next game on the list, we got Indianapolis. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts versus the Cleveland Browns. I will just hit you with the uh, the, the projections here real quick. Phillip Rivers, uh, maybe daily fantasy, but he's not a starter for me. Jonathan Taylor bounces back, gets in the game. Naheem Hines, I don't trust. I know he got some touches yesterday, but I just don't trust him at this point. T.Y. Hilton, I think this is a game that he's going to go crazy. Um, well, maybe not crazy, but have his best game of the season. Uh, Zach Paschal, he's the he's the targeted, the secondary targeted receiver there. I think he's a start. Um 
Keep an eye out for Trey Burton. I'm not going to start him, but Trey Burton, I think, was second on the team in targets last week. I don't like Trey Burton. I look, I know him and and I know him well from Philadelphia and, and Chicago. I'm personally staying away, but you got to pay attention just based on the targets he got yesterday. Um, on the other side, Cleveland, um, Nick Chubb, we'll see about that knee. The news has not dropped yet for us. I love Dearness Johnson off of waivers if Chubb can't go. Hunt is a play. Um, Odell Beckham, he had a crazy game. I'll say this. I know David and I are going to be on the different sides of this. I know that the inclination with Odell Beckham, if you own him, is to try to sell high now and get something. I will say this. If you're a savvy fantasy football player and somebody's trying to sell high on Odell Beckham, negotiate. I don't mind having him. I'll tell you why in just a bit. Um, everybody else for Cleveland, including tight end, I am a sit. Take it away, David. Well, I'm going to start with Cleveland um, just because for me, the one name who you mentioned, who's probably going to fly under the radar this week is Dearness Johnson. Yeah. We got to see what happens with Nick Chubb, yep. but this guy is going to have value if Nick Chubb misses a game. They, they want to be a two running back offense. They basically, when Chubb went down, they basically plugged Johnson in at, for what Nick Chubb was doing and left Kareem Hunt in. And, and Dearness Johnson closed out the game for Cleveland. Third, he had more carries than Kareem Hunt. He had third again. This is against Dallas defense, mm-hmm. 13 carries, 95 yards. Mm-hmm. But it just goes to show 13 carries in like what half of a game. They, you look at Stefanski. I mean, it doesn't take an expert to tell you this. They want to be a two running back offense mm-hmm. going back to last year with Dalvin cook and Madison mm-hmm. starting this year with Chubb and hunt. And we know Kareem hunt has got somewhat of a groin injury. He played, he's, yep. he's obviously not seriously injured. But they're going to want to involve Dearness Johnson. They're going to want to get him touches. So they want to be a two-running back offense. If Nick Chubb misses time, Dearness Johnson is, Johnson is going to have value. The other um, takeaway that I have from the Browns, it's it's the same kind of thing. Stefanski wants to be two-running back, and he also wants to be two tight ends. Yeah, Harrison Bryant, Harrison, right? Harrison Bryant. And I think you brought him up last week, and I kind of just brushed it off. I didn't really take it seriously. He had four receptions for 30 yards in this mm-hmm. game again, again against Dallas, but they only had four players who caught more than one pass. Hooper, Bryant, Landry, and Beckham. It's the same kind of thing they had last year in Minnesota where we saw yep. it was Thielen, Diggs, Rudolph, and Smith occasionally. You know, Harrison Bryant, he's not going to have a ton of value. If you're in a two-tight end league, is he going to be usable? Absolutely. Yep. You know, Odell Beckham, let me get to this real quick. And, you know, the three-touchdown game, look, honestly, this is one of the games I watched um, live as it was happening. It could have honestly been four receiving touchdowns very easily. Uh, Baker Mayfield missed on a deep throw, and he was interfered with on another deep throw. Um, I know his numbers were inflated from last week, but I've watched every Cleveland Browns game, um, you know, as I you know have caught up on the ones I weren't able to, wasn't able to see live. What you can count on from Cleveland is because their running game is so strong, they take two to three deep shots to Beckham every single week. And Mayfield, if he was a more efficient quarterback, Beckham would be a clear wide receiver one. Think about this. If in if in two of the weeks where he fell flat, if he had an extra 50 yards and a touchdown on one of these bombs that they took to him, um, I've seen him interfered with, like with my own eyes, I've seen him interfered with multiple times, not just last week, but in previous games where he was getting behind the receiver. What happens is this power running game that Cleveland's instilling, you get one-on-one matchups, Baker Mayfield, play action, bootleg, takes a shot down the field to Odell Beckham. He will throw when Beckham is double covered. Beckham is single covered quite a bit, and he's being interfered with all the time. I'm actually a guy that... 
Look, I'm not going to give a crazy price on him. People are going to sell high on him. What I would say is, like I said, negotiate for him. Don't give whatever people are trying to do to sell high. If they're trying to sell high, it's because they don't think that he's, they don't believe in him. What I'm seeing and watching these games, they take their deep shots and Beckham's pretty good. Um, you know, I think eight to 10 touchdowns is pretty reasonable season long. That's a wide receiver too, at least. Let me give you the reverse pitch. How yep. about that? Yep. Why you should should be selling Odell Beckham, right? And I was totally on sell Odell Beckham two weeks ago, mm -hmm. probably about two weeks early after he had four for 74 and a touchdown against Cincinnati. I mm -hmm. said, sell high on this guy. It was clearly too early. But, I mean, there is still some problems here. You look, again, just looking at the stat sheet, I mean, I, I watched the, saw what I saw on red zone. I didn't get to see the whole game. Five for 81 two touchdowns he had a long rushing touchdown mm -hmm. two for 73 and a rushing touchdown how many times is odell beckham gonna get into the end zone on long rushing touchdowns right his one of his receiving touchdowns was a trick play from jarvis landry on a reverse pass this was against dallas's defense mm -hmm. guys like who's been a sieve absolute sieve he still hasn't gone over 81 receiving yards in any of the four games this year he still hasn't surpassed five receptions in any of the four games this year and i'm i am cooling my jets a little bit on the sell odell Beckham mm -hmm. because i do think he's gonna have value especially you look at the schedule coming up indianapolis pittsburgh the next two weeks not exactly great matchups but then cincinnati raiders a bye houston philly jacksonville but then the end of the season he's got tennessee week 13 baltimore week 14 that's what concerns me mm -hmm. all right and this is originally why I said to sell Odell Beckham after the Cincinnati game. Because when it comes to week 14 and he's not facing Cincinnati or Dallas and he's facing Baltimore, you're going to get a three yep. for 22 line on 10 targets like you got week one. And it's going to kill your team. And I do think if you have a really good team and you can afford and you think you can get by week 14 mm -hmm. with a dud from Odell Beckham, he faces the Giants and the Jets week 15 and 16. So I am cooling off a little bit on mm -hmm. that. You have to sell him. But if your team ain't that strong, you need a good wide receiver. Yep. You're projecting you're going to need that wide receiver, too, to perform week 14 to make anything happen. It's a little early to be doing that. you got to keep in mind he's probably going to disappear week 14, the most important week of the first week of the fantasy playoffs. No no arguments there. And, you know, what I said in, in the book with the Odell Beckham piece is, like, Stefanski coming in, follow the coordinator. You know what they're going to do. The targets were going to be down for Beckham. I knew that going in. I thought catches – um, we're going to be down, but I thought quality of target, you know, the deep shot one-on-one -on -one coverage down the field, I thought those would increase. And that's what I'm seeing so far. So maybe it's confirmation bias, but I like it. I don't disagree with what you said at all about week 14. Hopefully you have a deep team. What I will say is if you're a fantasy football owner, um, if you're trying to sell high, don't just sell him because you're just trying to get something back from him because he will have value. Uh, but, you know, the same is true. Like, don't go out, out out of your way to get him and give up a ton for him either. Just value him appropriately because I don't think last week, look, three, three touchdowns, that's a little fluky. But, you know, you can expect probably a touchdown every other week. I really believe that. Uh, let me hit you. And I will say one more thing. Yeah. Let me say one more thing real quick. The pitch for keeping him, too, is at least... He's extremely predictable, guys. He's yes. one at this point one of the most predictable fantasy assets in the game. Bad matchup, Baltimore, Washington, under ten points. Good matchup, Cincinnati, Dallas, over fifteen plus fantasy points. Washington so definitely interfered with him on a deep pass, though. But hey, that's gonna happen. They don't show up on the you don't get points for pass interference, you know. You know when to play him at the very least. Yep. Um let me hit you with the line here. Uh Indianapolis 
Minus three versus Cleveland. Who you got? Cleveland is hot, man. They just destroyed destroyed Dallas and Indianapolis. I mean, they do, they got some issues, man. I mean, they're playing well defensively. That offense is just not there. So I'm going to take Cleveland. You know that Leonard injury to uh, to Indianapolis on defense. That's a big one, especially for a team that can run the ball as efficiently as Cleveland. I'm going to take Indianapolis because what I think will happen um, is similar to we similar to what happened with Baltimore when Cleveland played them. Um, the defense is going to be good enough to not shut down the run, but to neutralize it, which means Baker Mayfield's going to have to really take more of the ownership of this offense. So I believe I believe Rivers will outplay Baker Mayfield this week. So I'll take Indianapolis to cover this spread, but I like what Cleveland's doing, and their defense is underrated. I mean, they played three quarters of good football. They just went prevent against Dallas, and you can't go prevent against Dallas. You just can't do that. Um, Dallas came roaring back, but the first three quarters, I mean, Cleveland looked like a playoff team. They're, they're good. They're better than what, they, what the final score was. Next game on the list, New York Giants versus Dallas Cowboys. Um, Really, honestly, an interesting matchup. Dallas can't stop anybody, and New York can't can't score points. Um, it's the classic movable object versus stoppable <laughs> stoppable force or whatever it is. I know that's the opposite of what's usually said. But New York Giants, man, their <laughs> offense is so bad. Dallas's defense is so bad. Conversely, I think New York Giants, their defense has played actually pretty well against everybody they've played against. Um, they've played some pretty decent teams. I mean, the Rams, the Steelers, they've they've done pretty well. So the, the defense is the strength of this team, but their offense is just brutal. Dallas, meanwhile, you know their offense is scoring well. Um, they put up too many. Uh, they put up too many of their points in the fourth quarter. Dak Prescott really kind of disappeared, in my opinion, in, in the third quarter, but came out with a vengeance. Uh, you can kind of start Dallas Cowboys every week. But let me hit you with the uh, the projections here. Look. I don't have anybody worth starting. Darius Slay, Slayton at this point I have as a start grade computer-wise. He's going to get a couple of attempts behind the Dallas defense, so okay, you can play him. If you have better options in fantasy, I would take the better options, the safer options, uh, just because Giants have been so bad. But daily fantasy, I think you could definitely integrate Slayton. Uh, Freeman will be better. He did about what I thought he would do, which is kind of double his uh, his snap count. He was more integrated into the passing game. Remember, everybody, he's only been with the, the, the franchise there for about a week and a half. Uh, he will continue to grow and get better. I think he's risky this week, but it's Dallas, so go ahead and play him. He'll get some catches, I think. Dallas, on the other hand, I don't know if I have a single sit here. Um, Dak Prescott's a start. Even against a tougher uh, Giants defense, in my opinion, Cooper. Um, I think you can stop. Uh, you can sit Gallup. C.D. Lamb is the guy there. David, I, feather in your cap there. I think you've been <sighs> saying that for weeks. Great job, um, Dalton Schultz. We talked about him last week. I actually had him thanks to the cancellation and Johnu Smith not playing. I had Dalton Schultz projected as a top ten tight end, and he was like number three um, in the Sunday games. So good for him. Um, maybe a daily fantasy. We're looking for a cheap guy, Cedric Wilson, but I probably stay away. Uh, personally anyway take it away David yeah do you remember at the beginning of the season when we were so excited to draft three Dallas wide receivers Mm -hmm. and your guy was Michael Gallup my guy was CeeDee Lamb so I'll take a little bit of a victory lap on that one again it's four weeks we don't know how it's gonna play out but right now CeeDee Lamb is playing in the slot he's facing the easiest cornerback matchups pretty much every week he's getting the highest percentage targets Michael Gallup has become a glorified deep threat. He's got, through four weeks, he's been outscored by Dalton Schultz in fantasy. Yeah. In through wow. four weeks, he's got 24 targets, 
He's got 13 of them for 275 yards and a touchdown, which you can see is over 20 yards per catch. He's being used as a glorified chuck it deep threat. He That's total 46.5 fantasy points through four weeks, about 12 per game. Dalton Schultz, on the other hand, 28 targets. That's four more than Gallup. 18 receptions. That's five more than Gallup. 219 yards and two touchdowns. 49.2 fantasy points. Now, am I using this to dismiss Michael Gallup? Absolutely not. We've already seen Michael Gallup have a big blow-up week. He's going to be usable. He's got a crazy high ceiling. Dalton Schultz, though, guys. Like, Dalton Schultz, guys. He is outproducing Michael. He's the Dallas wide receiver three right now. Like, he is startable. It's not a fluke. Not just 12-team leagues, 10-team leagues. He needs to be rostered everywhere and anywhere right now. He needs to be started in just about any matchup that's not terrible. So, I mean, am I giving up on Michael Gallup? No. CeeDee Lamb, I mean, I'm all in on him. I posted a thing saying if if someone said CeeDee Lamb was their overall dynasty wide receiver one right now, could you really fault them? And nobody gave me any pushback. (laughs) Nobody gave me any pushback, guys. Like, this goes to say if you're in dynasty – you don't trade CeeDee Lamb for anything. Yeah. Unless someone's throwing Michael Thomas in a, two, a first round and a second, you don't trade CeeDee Lamb for anything at this point, guys. Like, he is possibly – he has one more game. He's He could be clearly looked at as the dynasty wide receiver one. Yep. Um, on the other side, you talk about my boy, big play Slay. You say if you got better options, play the better options. You don't have a better option this week, my friends. <laughs> Darius Slayton, it's time. And I am. I talked about it last week, how I've given up on the Giants offense, how Jason Garrett is running this team into the ground. And we, we saw it. It runs up the gut, and it's just basic vanilla, unseasoned chicken pass calls. Like, it's not creative. It's not fun. It's not sexy. It's not spicy. This guy probably shouldn't have ever been offered an offensive coordinator job he'd been a head coach for how many years before this so i think i'm off everybody on the giants everybody on the giants especially Devonte freeman one guy look at wayne gallman six for 45 this past week Devonte freeman's done nothing 11 for 33 he averaged less than three yards per carry you say he's going to get better i don't know about that if wayne gallman these cowboys guys this great matchup wayne gallman could possibly there's a universe out there where he takes the job from Devonte freeman this week and if he does against dallas he's gonna be a crazy crazy waiver wire addition next week people will be willing to trade for him if he has a big game against uh the dallas cowboys just because that running back room is so wide open so wayne gallman he's gonna go completely uh, overlooked on waivers this week nobody's gonna pick up wayne gallman you got a spot go stash him see if he goes off against dallas even if you don't want to keep them you can probably trade them to a running back needy team the week after you know I think there's two ways to look at that like Goldman when I watched I think he had like one run that really kind of inflated six yards six yards or six yards 20, per carry. 20, 26, 26 yards. yards yeah and so you could look at that as well at he offers explosion that's the glass half full or you could look at it the other way as like well you know he just happened to have one long run so i don't know i mean we'll see it in in the coming weeks i do think that look the giants to be successful they need to throw the ball to Devonte freeman that's it so i don't know let me hit you with the line here though uh we got new york giants plus nine and a half versus the dallas cowboys who do you got i'm gonna take the giants and the points here just because I feel like Dallas Stevens is so bad that the Giants actually look good offensively this week. Uh, it, it, this one is a toss-up for me because I don't know what we'll get. I'm going to take Dallas because I think that their offense is just 
they're going to score too many points even against a tough Giants defense, but who the heck knows? I really honestly do not. But Jason Garrett, coordinator, as much trash as we talked about him, where does he come from? Dallas. He Hopefully. knows the personnel. Hopefully he knows something. I mean, yeah. he doesn't seem to know anything else. Yeah, so know. hopefully he knows at least one thing about the Cowboys. Yep. Uh, next game on the list here, we got the Minnesota Vikings versus the Seattle Seahawks. Minnesota is getting better. I'll just hit you with projections here. Kirk Cousins, because Seattle has been porous in the uh, in the defensive backfield there. Kirk Cousins, I actually have as a start this week, and I do think Cousins will get better once. Look, Jefferson is 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 helping that offense. It's helping loosen things up for Adam Thielen. I think Cousins probably has his best um, statistical game of the year. Dalvin Cook is finally doing what we expected Dalvin Cook to do. He's a start. Thielen's a start. Justin Jefferson's a start. I stay away from everybody else. Seattle, Russell Wilson's still the man. You got to start him. Chris Carson looks really good. Um, I like him. Coming off the injury, everybody was wondering what was going to happen. He rewarded people with two touchdowns this week. Uh, DK Metcalf, uh, Tyler Lockett will bounce back. I have both his starts. I actually like what David Moore's doing, and he's consistently getting in the end zone here, but this could be the week that Greg Olson uh, really breaks through with one or two touchdowns. It's That week is coming. It's just a matter of when. So rotate Greg Olson into your daily fantasy lineups. Um, we'll see if he... Uh, you know, I don't know that he had play him in regular fantasy football. Anyway, take it away, David. Yeah, I'll start with Seattle because you mentioned one name which is interesting to me. Everybody knows about Chris Carson, TK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett. David Moore yeah. has flashed in the past, at least as a touchdown-dependent fantasy option. It, we're talking more probably DFS here. We're talking more deep three-wide start three-wide receiver leagues. But when you're adding stashes, what is the number one factor that you should be focused on? In my opinion, it's offenses. You're not. There's nothing to really differentiate these players when you're right. talking about stashes, flyers. There's not a whole lot differentiating them player to player. What does differentiate David Moore? He plays with the hottest quarterback in the NFL. He plays with what's one of the highest scoring offenses in the NFL. He's one injury away, guys. You're right, yeah. One injury away to either DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett from vaulting into the number two wide receiver spot in this offense. So he's, again, he's not going to be claimed anywhere. He, he's only an ad in deeper leaves, but keep your eye on this guy. Nice. Because three for, three for 95 in a touchdown last week, he's got the touchdown upside. It only takes him a, a catch or two to end up making a difference in fantasy. So if you're in a pinch, you know, you don't know where to go. There's nothing out there. Take a look, see if D David Moore is out there for you. Yep. What do you think about the Minnesota side? <sighs> I don't think a whole lot. I mean, I wasn't, I don't have really any shares of these guys. I have mm -hmm. Justin Jefferson in one dynasty format, which I feel great about. Uh, I do, I am very enthused and impressed after he stacked a second performance. Uh, after really good sign. The first week, because the first week was very concerning because when he had that seven for 175 game, it came in a week where Kirk Cousins only threw 259 passing yards and Adam Thielen only caught three catches for 29 yards so at least after last week it had the appearance that this was only going to support one wide receiver in this offense it's becoming hyper funneled through the two wide receivers now and it's clear that both of them will have value going forward um justin jefferson yeah he's becoming almost a wide receiver two uh in the wide receiver two discussion right now yep i agree and i think the minnesota again i'm not surprised by what i've seen the struggles to begin the year the defense, there's a lot of moving pieces, but they're well-coached. Um, I like Kubiak's system. It just wasn't clicking. I think things are starting to get into place for Minnesota to start being that good team. Again, you know, I thought they were going to have kind of a rough go. I didn't think they would have started 0-3, but I thought they had a rough go. Now they're 1-3. If they can put a win together here, I think that's a tough ask, though. 
um, then you start to say, okay, you know, this is the Minnesota we're, we're used to seeing for the last five years. But let me hit you with the line here. Bavada has Minnesota plus seven versus Seattle. Who do you got? I feel like that's kind of, like you said before, kind of overreacting to what we saw against Seattle where you said the Rams are better than they played. Seattle didn't really show up and dominate the Dolphins like we mm-hmm. were expecting. But I think the Dolphins are a little bit better than we give them credit for. So yeah. I'm going to take Seattle here to, to beat the points. Well, I have a personal rule. Um, I always govern because I use computers and all this stuff. Um, and even if I think something, one of my rules is I am not betting against so-and-so. It used to be Peyton Manning. You know, it's Now, Patrick Mahomes, I don't bet against Patrick Mahomes. I don't bet against Russell Wilson what he's doing. I'm sorry, I just don't do it. I will say this. I think Minnesota, because they're getting better, I think that they keep this game close. I believe that Seattle wins this game by four points. Uh, Minnesota needs this game more than Seattle does. Zimmer's a good coach. He'll get that team ready to go. I think that's a factor. But look, I don't bet against Russell Wilson. I'm going to take, for the purposes of this podcast, I'm going to take Minnesota, but I'm not endorsing that pick by any means. Um, one one more thing I have to throw out there, and this is more of a question than anything. This, I just noticed, this is the 820 game. Doesn't Kirk Cousins have like an awful record in primetime games? Maybe I'm he, just misremembering that. No, no, he up. does. But I will say last year he played well in those games. He took like a mental step forward. But that's it. I mean, it's a good point. National TV games, he's historically been pretty bad. Um, but uh, he did better last year. So what will prevail? I don't know. Minnesota needs this game, though, man. It's a pressure game for Minnesota. They don't want to go 1-4. Um, that'd be a bad one. It's a tough, tough draw. Tough, tough start to the year for them too. I mean, they haven't had a powder cake schedule by any means. All right. Last game of the week, we got Monday night football, Los Angeles chargers versus new Orleans saints. I love what Herbert's doing. He, he really impressed me against a tough Tampa Bay team. I think Herbert is a start against new Orleans. Uh, new Orleans isn't as good defensively as Tampa Bay is, but of course this is the week where the, you know, they show up and shut, you know, shut the chargers out. Assuming Herbert is still the starter. I know Terod Taylor is always looming out there, but come on guys, you can't go back to Terod Taylor. You see in it, Herbert's the real deal. <laughs> I really like him. Um, here, the basic injury is I, I thought it was ridiculous with the, the the tag on the bottom. Everybody's watching the game. Zachler goes out with a hamstring, questionable to return. Then you see him, him being carried off the field. Everybody, the news hasn't dropped yet. This is a six-week injury, everybody. He's going to be on the IR. Hopefully for, hopefully for. We'll see, man. I, 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 you might have more recent news than I did. I didn't see anything. I don't have out. any news, dude. I, I, I'm worried. It's a. I'm always worried based on what I saw, just in him being carried off. I'm worried that's a hamstring tear. That could be a season. I mean, I am really, really worried. But let me say this: we've been saying this all along. This system supports two running backs. We've also been saying this all along. Justin Jackson, the forgotten guy, because everybody's paying attention to Joshua Kelly. I'm not sure that Joshua Jackson or jo- Joshua Jack jo- Joshua Jackson. I believe he was in the Mighty Ducks movie in Dawson's <laughs> Creek. Uh, Josh Jackson. I'm not sure that he's not better than than Kelly. And what I'm saying is, I think he's better, a better running back. And am I saying Josh? Is it Justin Jackson? Justin. Justin Jackson. My bad, Joshua Jackson. Josh Jackson. Joshua Kelly. Son, Justin Jackson. There's too many J's. <laughs> too many J's in that backfield for me. But Justin Jackson, I, I really think could be the better of the running back here. Obviously, he should be at the top of everybody's, or at, at least near the top of everybody's waiver claims Austin Eckler he's going to be an IR player he's going to be an injury list player everybody that's a nasty hamstring hamstrings are bad when it's a strain when it was as bad as like hey let me cart off a guy because he's got a hamstring pull gosh man Ugh. it breaks my heart because I got Austin Eckler really good value so he's going on my injury list I'll try to get Jackson though I think he has value Keenan Allen um, will have value this week I think Hunter Henry will get in the end zone <laughs> golly 
that one ticked me off because I had Hunter or Henry projected in the top 10 tight ends and then the secondary tight end got the touchdown last week. That's always a gut punch when that happens. Yeah. Uh, for New Orleans, um, look, Chargers tough defense, but I think Breeze is a start. I think Kamara is a start. I think Latavius Murray is a freaking start. Talk about guys breaking my heart. Latavius Murray getting two touchdowns. He's gotten over 13 carries, I think, um, or over 12 carries three out of the first four weeks. New Orleans is going to two back, and they're using Alvin Kamara as a running back. Even when Michael Thomas was in the game, Latavius Murray was involved, so pay attention to that. Michael Thomas, if he comes back, he's a slam dunk start. If he doesn't, I like both Emmanuel Sanders and Traquan Smith. If Thomas does come back, I like Traquan Smith more than I like Emmanuel Sanders. I've been saying that for a couple weeks, and I am not moving off at that point. Jared Cook, if he plays, eh, eh, you could start him, I guess. I, I, I don't love him, but I don't hate him either. Anyway, take it away, David. Well, me and you were both... Justin Jackson believers uh, this offseason and unfortunately had the injuries. Josh yeah, Kelly stepped up, stepped up in the first few weeks, and it looks looks like a clear miss by us. Josh Kelly, I think, is still clearly the number two guy behind Austin Eckler, but I do have good news. Justin Jackson averaged more yards per carry this past week than Joshua Kelly when Austin Eckler went out. You want to know the bad in. news? You want to know the bad news? Please. He only averaged 1.5 yards per carry to Josh Kelly's 0.8 yards per carry. I'm going to say this, and and we made this point coming into the season. Um, you know, Joshua Kelly, that was always a risk, and we acknowledged that. But we've seen Justin Jackson produce in the NFL and be impressive while Melvin Gordon was out or Eckler was out or whatever. Joshua Kelly, in his opportunity, yes, he kind of sees that secondary role, but he hasn't really impressed me on the field. And I have been impre- impressed in the past with Justin Jackson on the field. So, look, both both running backs are going to get snap shared. They'll get opportunities and everything. I just think Jackson, while Eckler is out, you know, I'm going to double down on that prediction. I think Jackson will be the better running back in the system while Eckler is gone. But, you know. And that's, that's totally fair. Yeah. Just because, I mean, I brought up the yards per carry. Jackson had six carries for nine yards. Kelly had nine carries for seven yards this past week when yeah. Eckler went out. This was against Tampa Bay. Who's yeah. notorious for shutting down the run game? Yep. Absolutely notorious for it. So you're not just writing off Justin Jackson and Josh Kelly because they right. had a bad right. game against them. And what it does say, Justin Jackson did get involved as a receiver, two reception, 12 yards. Kelly had three for 26. But both of these guys are going to soak up some of those Austin Eckler targets. Justin Jackson, I do believe, like you said, he will have value as long as Austin Eckler is out. You will be able to use him in a pinch if you need to put him into your RB2 spot. And I think what will happen is um, sorry, Kelly will kind of get more of the workload to start. But what I predict will happen was is that Jackson will be more efficient with his. And over time, it will, it will turn over. And so both will have roles. It will start with Kelly being the primary guy, but I believe that you know in the next like two weeks it will end up being Jackson as the primary guy. We'll see what happens. But either way, you got to pick the guy up because they're gonna, they're both going to have value no matter what happens. And you are right about Kelly. As much as we've kind of gotten excited in the fantasy community, it's been volume based. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been efficiency based. He hasn't been an efficient runner. It's just been that they've been giving him the ball so many times. Mm-hmm. So Justin Jackson definitely has an opportunity to make some plays and earn earn a bigger role and earn more of those Josh Josh Kelly touches. One more thing about the Chargers. Uh, I don't have a ton to say about them. Justin Herbert, I've been just pounding yeah. the table for this guy since he took over. Not just in Superflex and two QB leagues, guys. One QB leagues, this guy needs to be rostered and started in the right matchup. He yeah. was their leading rusher this past week against Tampa Bay. Five for 14 yards, nothing spectacular. But, guys... 
he runs the ball. That's five attempts. He they're using zone read options, play calls. They're calling designed plays to utilize his athleticism as a runner. Look at his combine. He was he's athletic. He had like a four six something. 40 he had a decent shuttle a good vertical so he's definitely athletic they're willing to use him as a runner he's willing to put his body on the line towards the goal line which is what's most impressive to me and then as a passer guys 20 of 25 this past week 290 yards three touchdowns and a pick he's already there he's already there as a passer this offense has weapons across the board keenan allen hunter henry talk about when i guess if eckler comes back even Jalen Guyton's making plays yeah. for the guy. Yep. It's like he's the offense is too good for Herbert to not be good. Yeah, I agree. And remember, I mean, he played well against Kansas City with no snaps during the week, finding out he's a starter five minutes before the game, and played uh, played well against Tampa Bay. Two really good defenses had Carolina played well against Carolina as well. But um, I mean, he's legit, guys. He's legit. He's a top five pick for a reason, everyone. Yeah, I don't have much to say about the Saints. The one thing yeah. I'll say is. It looks like Traquan Smith is the Michael Thomas plug-and-play, not yeah. Emmanuel Sanders. And who knows, guys? Don't just discount Traquan Smith because Michael Thomas is coming back. If you can add him at the end of your roster, let's see. Maybe he does beat out Emmanuel Sanders for the number two job. I think he's better than Sanders. I mean, again, the eye test, everything I'm seeing, is like it's like we were talking earlier, another UCF, ex-UCF wide receiver. Um in um in Gabriel and Buffalo is like you can see guys and they're good like Traquan Smith hasn't strung it together I think this might be his fourth year hasn't really wowed I think, anybody I want to say third I want to say third but either way like Emmanuel Sanders you thought coming in here that you know definitely he'd be plugged in there and he's producing stats and everything but just Traquan Smith looks better this year um so I think he'll be I think he has a chance to be a factor opposite um Michael Thomas, you know, when Michael Thomas comes back. So we'll see. Let me hit you with the line here. It's the Chargers plus seven and a half versus the Saints. Who do you got? I got the Chargers, man. I think the Chargers are a good team. I think they are. Defensively, I mean, they they took a step back against Tampa Bay, but I still think they're a top yeah. defense. In the offense, We'll see how much the Austin Eckler loss hurts them, but I'm going to take the Chargers. Here. Yeah, I have the Saints winning this game by four, seven and a half, especially that extra half point. Um, you know, most of the games are decided in the NFL seven or less. I'll take the Chargers. I like their defense, and Herbert is really impressing me. Now, I will say this: if if for some if somehow Tyrod Taylor comes back and they give him the starting job back, I'm firmly on New Orleans. But hey, man, it's out in the press. I think it's I think it's crazy, and so do you. But if, it's got to be some sort of Jedi mind trick, Anthony Lynn is going. There's no way. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way. It's crazy to do that. Um, you know, Terod Taylor will sue the Chargers for getting his lung punctured and losing his starting job, and and that's that's what will end up happening. But uh, I'm telling you, that is the reason. That's the only reason Lynn's saying Tyrod's the starter, so they're not liable. Yeah, the, the only reason Terod Taylor gets a start at this point is Justin Herbert gets hurt or the Chargers don't want to get sued. I seriously, I mean, it, it, you, you've seen everything you need to see. Uh, Terod Taylor loses his job to another rookie quarterback, um, but Herbert's the real deal, man. You got to be excited if you're a Chargers fan. It's, it's fun to watch, um, fun to see them do do what they're doing. So I was selling hard on the Chargers, assuming Terod Taylor was going to get more starts. But as soon as I saw Herbert, I'm just like, yep, this team is this team's legit. I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but. They're good, man. They got talent. Anyway, that wraps it up for an episode. We said we were going to get it under two hours, and we we did just by about um, 30 seconds. My gosh, man. I can't <laughs> wait for the bye weeks. <laughs> I never thought I'd say that. We need we need the bye weeks here, man. Uh, but, hey, uh, another great episode. Dave, you got anything else for the, uh, for the crowd before we head out? 
No, guys, just uh, I'm not even going to plug the site this week. Just stay safe out there. We're yep. almost through this coronavirus. Try and keep the protocols up. I know I, I'm preaching to myself as anything, as much as anything here. We're close, guys. We're almost there. Light at the Thank- tunnel. Almost there. Yeah, almost there. Hey, uh, everybody, be safe. Go out, make some bets, get paid.